Hello and welcome to episode 119 of Gaming Fix on this May 2nd, 2020. I'm your host, Andre Cole, aka your partner's favorite Final Fantasy. I'm joined today by Alex. Hi, I'm so excited for today's episode. Pat. I am not the subject of today's episode excitement, and that's okay. <laughs> and Allison Saganis. <laughs> Allison Saganis. Allison Saganis. Right the fuck here. Do you guys like, okay. Do you guys know that experience of playing a piece of, or enjoying a piece of media, right? And you realize midway while you're playing it. I don't know if I'll ever be the same. Yes. As what, I know that course. exact feeling with that, that exact me, piece of media. That was me playing Dragon Rumpa 3 last night. Two words. So. Kingdom hearts. Oh no. <laughs> Donald, to make it clear, the feeling, the 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 response that, that all of you have when I to my Kingdom Hearts transformation is absolutely the what it feels like every time you talk about Danganronpa. <laughs> so in another two years, I'll finally play Kingdom Hearts. I'm not saying I think all of you would like Kingdom Hearts as much. I mean, Andre, we know your feelings. Uh, it, it used to be good. Yeah, your your incorrect feelings. So is it like the reverse of Kingdom Hearts, where when you start Danganronpa, it seems extraordinarily not interesting, and then it gets good? No, <laughs> no, it is like because I did consistent. start good one of those games the way somewhere and was like, I don't like this writing or these people. There's some characters that are actively bad. Also, I don't for- think I gave it enough time, so that's not a that's a re- that's not a real indictment of the I'm going to pl- I'm excited to play them somewhere so don't worry for, for what it's worth this is going to be a really weird episode dear listeners <laughs> yes uh, um, we are finally finally doing it we've been talking about it for like at least a year whenever I finish it's, it's, the start of the it's podcast. been a long time okay yeah today we get to end a meme <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I went so, back yeah. I went back and listened episode three is when this started like literally uh, over, over the spoiler cast. I finally been... get to talk about my top 10 simulators <laughs> of all time. And yes, I'm very uh, excited to have you all along for the ride. Uh, stroker. <laughs> That's number one. Uh, the, the end of this episode is going to feature a uh, meaty Ropa spoiler cast. Hell yes. But uh, before that, we'll have our, our usual stuff. We'll talk some games. We'll talk some uh, uh, news. And then we'll uh, we'll let Pat get out of here so he doesn't have to uh, endure the spoilers for a game that he may or may not ever play. <laughs> yeah, I definitely am going to. So, it's so frustrating because uh, I would like to play them on a handheld so bad, but they're also very cheap to get on Steam right now, so I don't know. I yeah, might I'd be interested in seeing, because like, they are supposed to come out on phones slash yeah, tablets. I might so. try, I don't know. Um, I might try uh, the, um, uh, the, the Steam streaming. I know that there's parts of them where you wouldn't necessarily want to stream them to a touch device, so I'm not saying I would play the whole game that way, but... To at least like be able to play like narrative parts or something, um, so yeah, I don't know. We'll see. 
Uh, there is a lot of moving around. I don't know how that would work unless you used a controller. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You can use, as my understanding that you can use a virtual D-pad, okay. which wouldn't feel super good, but in the non-action it, sequences, yeah. it should be fine. Yeah, it, it would be it'd be functional. It just may not be yeah. ideal. But Yeah, we'll see. But uh, can you also, use a controller on the PC version? Yeah. Yeah. No, mm-hmm. That might solve oh, yeah. my problem anyway. I used I used yeah. controller for the entire game. The main thing yeah. is to kind of take, Like all three. I don't, yeah, I don't. Uh, I was inspired by Andre to purchase some exercise equipment that would be the perfect place to be playing. Uh, oh yeah, a visual some, novel, a visual yeah. novel on. So yeah, totally. That's why I'm. To, I'm going to play Steins Gate finally on there and hell yeah stuff. So all right, well, we'll we'll uh, get back to Danganronpa towards the end of the episode or midway or however long we end up talking about it. But for now, we got some some non visual novel games. Uh, Pat, you're you're kind of the the one today. You are kind of the focus of today's episode. At least you are kind half. of playing a visual novel, also. <laughs> it's not exactly a little bit. It's, a, it's a little not bit. quite as visual novelly as Danganronpa, but it is uh, a lot of you know, scrolling through text. Yes, uh, but it's your turn first. Yes, so I am sure everyone's very excited to hear about the game that I've brought. Who here likes mud? Fuck yeah. Like mud baths, uh, just mud, multi-user like mud dungeons. Fine? Who yeah. likes? <laughs> who likes uh, snow deformation? Yes, uh, is that like snow holation? No, I do like snow holation. It's not so. like snow holation at all. You could listen to snow holation while you deform deform snow. <laughs> While you deformate, <laughs> while you de- <laughs> snow away, while you deformate. Uh, um, no, so I, uh, in classic Pat fa- fashion, um, I've been spending a lot of time with a game that is a hyper focused on one very specific thing, and that is driving large vehicles through um, th- the kind of situation where, like, if you're someone who, uh, like I, I, I drive a lot and I used to drive a lot more when I lived in Michigan. And it's this, this is a game about this, the moment where in a normal car, as a normal person, you look down a road and you're like, that's not going to happen. <laughs> and then you give up and you either go home or you take the long way around. Uh, the game that I've been playing is called snow runner. Uh, and it's from saber interactive. Good friends at saber interactive. Um, and no one here has played spin tires or mud runner, right? Nope. That's not, nope. Okay. So they played motor, motor storm. Uh, I did very different experience. Drive truck. Yeah. <laughs> um, very different than a, it's not a racing game at all. Um, the spin tires, the original one I played a lot of, and that game, um, it, it was cool, but the problem with it is that you didn't do anything. It was more like a sandbox. Um, mm. And and this game has sandbox elements, but spin tires was very much you could go and find cars and you could find like there were objectives in the world, but you had to go find them. And it was really challenging. I played all of 13 minutes of spin tires. So that's where we're at. <laughs> uh, so these games are 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 basically like off road simulators, um, but not in the you're driving an ATV or a dirt bike and racing them you spend most of your time driving like five to 10 miles an hour at the fastest. Most of the time you're, you're going like two miles an hour through mud. And it's the kind of thing where you're like, 
feathering the throttle. You see the tires spinning and spin tires. And then like they catch for a second and you get like four feet of traction and you're like, yes, 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 yes. And then they start just like spinning freely again. And then you have to like maneuver it a little bit to get to get a little bit more. Um, that sounds like a nightmare. It's a it nightmare like in the real least life. Fun parts of, yeah, I was going to say, it's like sounds like the least fun parts of driving in real life. As someone who's done it a lot in real life, because I was I drove for, you know, 11 years in Michigan. Um, you have that experience a lot, even when you're not off roading in the winter over snow, yeah. which oh, is totally. which is kind of like brings us a little bit to snow runner because um, spin tires got a sequel called mud runner where I didn't play mud runner. There was controversy around it. I should have done the research before this episode, but I didn't think about it until now. I don't know the specifics of the controversy. My understanding is that they had to put out another game because they had to make money. And I don't know if it was publisher driven or if it was the studio themselves. And I think what happened was they kind of just took spin tires and put a new map on it. Not like new content. They like re-released pretty much the same content, but with a better UI and map structure. So it was easier to find the objectives. Um, um, so people didn't like it very much. But it also like mud spin tires fans didn't like it, of course, because they were like being asked to pay $40 for a thing that had pretty minimal amounts of new content. That's my understanding. I could be totally wrong. It could have just been that it was not as good. Um, But I remember it was controversial to spin tires players. Um, But over time, it kind of built up an audience again. Uh, Snow Runner is a full sequel to Mud Runner. And as the name implies, adds more. like uh, snowy environments. Um, It still starts you out in uh, part of the reason I probably that I like it so much. It starts you out in rural Michigan. Um, And while it's a little bit more mountainy, the Northern Michigan actually is, it's a pretty good um, like uh, uh, approximation of what an area in rural Michigan would look like. And the idea is that like the, the area, the Valley that you're in just flooded, from this river uh, and a huge storm. So it's like all the dirt roads suck and there's not a ton of paved roads, which is true of that region. Um, And so you drive these big trucks around and do stuff with them. (laughs) So is it, are you, do you actually have objectives? Is it like, Oh, I'm going to bring, I'm going to bring these sandbags to the river so we can stop the flooding kind of thing. Totally. That's 100% the kind of stuff. It's a little more, even more interesting than that, but that's definitely the right track. It's, there's a bunch of maps for starters. There's three regions in the game. Michigan's the first one in the tutorial. They very quickly have you go to Alaska, which is where you experience snow for the first time. Um, And then there's also a Siberia uh, region. Um, And each of the regions has multiple maps. Michigan has like four, I think. Uh, Alaska, I think, has four. And Siberia has two, I want to say. And sort of, there's sort of a, a it's one thing. uh, This game has a lot of stuff in it. Like I've played, I think, probably like, I haven't been playing it as much as I've been playing Final Fantasy VII, but I've been playing usually I do it like early in the morning before work or before I go to bed. Um, and it's been the game that I play whenever we're watching like streams or podcast, I'm listening to a podcast or whatever. Cause it's perfect for that. Cause there's zero narrative whatsoever aside from the like very little setup of like, this is what's happening in this region. Um, so the way it kind of starts, there's a bunch of different classes of truck. Um, 
there's the scout trucks on one end, which is like pickup trucks and like a Hummer H2 and uh, Chevy CK 1500. They're real vehicles. They're all licensed. Um, and then you have like a range. There's highway trucks that are good at moving a lot of of uh, like a uh, large quantity of uh, resources and goods, but really over paved roads, um, which means there's not good in a lot of the environments. There's uh, heavy trucks, which are pretty adaptable and can carry like massive cranes and stuff like that. And then there's off-road vehicles that are like sort of like the scout vehicles, but specifically designed for um, operating off-road. So, there's like a bunch of vehicles. I think there's like 30 something of them and they're all pretty unique. Uh, and typically the kind of uh, flow is you get to this new region and then it's like an empty map and there are like 100% just like fire watchtowers around the map that you drive to, to reveal the map. Um, is Delilah there? Absolutely, just like well, they. You find they, a turtle. The, the aesthetic is 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 very <laughs> Firewatch uh, in the lake. The mechanics are one hundred percent the Ubisoft. Like you drive there, and they're often they're often like not that hard to get to, but they are kind of off road, so you do have to do a little bit of work to get to them. Do I drive to the top of like a radio tower? No, <laughs> I wish. Does Does your truck dive into like a hay bale? You could make it. You could definitely just like gun it off of a hill that a tower is on and, and try to hit. There's a specific one in, in the Michigan map that I think you could almost make that happen. Sick. Uh, <laughs> but um, but uh, you kind of reveal the map and then it's sort of up to you with what you want to do. There will be vehicles to go find around the map as well as upgrades for vehicles. The upgrade system is I like it a lot. It's pretty um, extensive and um it's a lot of like trade-offs. It's not actually just like you're going to make your truck better necessarily. There's a few of those, but it's things like, um, do you want to put, you know, you can put a high saddle on this truck, which means it can carry heavy semi trailers, but then it can't, then it won't have a bed for you to put stuff in it directly. And for the scout vehicles, it's like you can raise uh, you can raise the suspension on your truck and then you can go through water easier, but you also don't go as fast on, uh, on, on like paved roads. Um, a lot of times it's like you can get an engine that's more powerful, but it also ha- uses up more fuel. Um, so on all that stuff is a consideration because, uh, you you have you I mean you actually use fuel and you have to on the early maps it's not as hard but eventually it gets to the point where it's like they're huge maps and there's one fueling station at the start of your job and then you have to kind of make it work so from there after you've like you've collected the vehicles and the upgrades there's a bunch of tasks and contracts and the tasks are kind of more one-off things and then the contracts are more in-depth multi-step kind of missions and it's all done in this open world. So you, you, you're never like locked into any kind of, you have to do this. Um, there are timed ones that I haven't even started touching yet that seem very hard, uh, where you're actually competing for like leaderboard spots based on how fast you can complete the objectives. Um, that's not as interesting to me. 
Does it surface like um, like leaderboards with your friends and stuff in kind of like a Forza Horizon-y way? I bet it probably does on consoles. It's on the Epic Game Store on PC, which is absolute mm-hmm. trash. So I don't know that there's even the infrastructure <laughs> built to do that on Epic. <laughs> uh, it's fine, though, because I don't know a single other person that will play this game. <laughs> Certainly not on PC. <laughs> that is fair. <laughs> um, uh, but... Um, the thing that is interesting to talk about with this game, it, it kind of is what it is. I was talking a little bit to one Chris Edgerton about this on uh, Twitter yesterday, and and he was saying like it kind of looks like vehicle co-op, and to an extent, that's that's what it is. Um, like the the I had a moment yesterday um, where I was pulling a trailer of metal planks over a hill and. Um, I had a heavy vehicle and it was a pretty narrow road and it had rocks on the road and I was doing okay. Cause the vehicle that I had is all wheel drive and I had a differential lock. So a differential lock is like, um, it locks it so that all that, that, that the most track, like full torque is delivered to every wheel as it's spinning. So even if a lot of the like, general cars will like, Oh, you have like, a wheel that is um, you you won't get the same torque on all of your wheels at once. Um, but a differential lock ensures that it does. That I have, you do. I, I have mm-hmm. to admit, I never thought when we started this podcast that we were going to be talking about diffs in cars. So, what's <laughs> funny is I totally knew that we would because I know who I am. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so it has a differential lock and, um, and, and uh, so I'm like going up this hill. I have this trailer behind me. And then, and it's going well, but then, um, a rock gets lodged under the wheel of the trailer. And I'm in a situation where if I try to reverse and then try to go forward again, it's not going to be good because it's a pretty steep incline. Um, and I also can't turn anywhere because there's a, cause, cause it's a narrow road. So I have to figure out like, how am I going to deal with this rock that's lodged under the tire, the, the tire of this trailer. And what's so cool about it is that this isn't like a scripted thing that pass just has rocks in it. And if I had paid better attention, I might've noticed it and I could have maneuvered in such a way to not get a suck. And we're not talking about like, this is a physics object. It's a rock that moves. It's not like, it's not like I didn't see it and it got stuck. It's like by Probably even by driving over it with my truck, I kicked it down so that it got lodged under the trailer. And it's like a, you know, just big enough rock to get stuck under a, a tire. And so I ended, what I ended up doing is I used my winch because you have a winch on, on all your vehicles. And I was able to connect it to a tree. And I had to very carefully use the pull because if I pulled too fast and too much, it would pull the tree down, which would then mean I would have no winch point. Um, but other things I could have done, I could have put the parking brake on and gone and got another truck to pull it over the rock. Um, and that's the kind of thing that like, what's especially funny is after that, as I was driving the truck towards the destination, I just looked away for a second and looked back and I had gone off the road and totally flipped the truck on its side. And then I had to go get another truck to pull it back down. Unfortunately, interesting in doing that, 
it knocked my metal planks out of the trailer, which is hard to do. You have to basically completely flip the, the truck for that to happen. Um, and because I don't have a vehicle with a crane yet, there was no way for me to recover the metal planks. So they're just kind of sitting there now. And I just had to start that whole thing over again, which That's was a little frustrating. Um, what you can't, there is no fast travel in the game with the exception of you can, um, recover to your garage. Each map has at least one garage. I think they all only have one garage and they're big maps again. So you can recover to your garage, but then you lose all the stuff you're carrying. So it's not really a solution um, for it's a solution. If you're like, I finished my (laughs) kitty is behind me and very excited about (laughs) another kitty outside. Uh, If you finish, uh, it's it's not a good way to like handle a problem in the middle of a contract because your uh your vehicle like you'll lose all of your stuff you're carrying. So if you're trying to carry two wooden planks across the map, two stacks of wooden planks across the map and you flip your truck, if you can avoid it, you don't want to just recover it cuz then you have to start the whole thing over again. The easier thing is to take another one of your vehicles out there and try to fix it. Um so, so w- would would you say this is the dark souls of driving Sims. Sure. I mean, in the sense that it is, it it requires a lot of patience and a lot of, you have to be careful while you're doing it. Um, And because of that, in in a similar way to a a game like dark souls, what's fun is as you start to get some level of mastery over the simulation, like now when I drive my pickup truck, which I've used quite a bit and it's got, it's lifted. It has off-road tires on it. It's got a more powerful engine, that I put in it, I kind of push it a little bit and I'm a little more risky with it. And it's fun yeah. because there is, there's just enough stake where doing something like that. If I flip that truck on the way to a contract, it's like, I can recover back to my garage. I didn't start it yet. And I, and it's fine. Um, but then it also has the flip side where it's like, I have a huge truck with a huge trailer full of stuff and I'm on a very narrow road and I need to be really careful or it's going to cost me like a half an hour of work that I did. Um, and what's cool. And this is the, the sort of the death stranding angle on it. What's cool is a lot of the tasks are things that actually affect the world. So like there will last night I did one where there was a rock slide in the way of a road and by delivering some tools to this, this, this rock slide, I was able to clear it. Um, and I also had a, got a bridge built by taking some wood to this place where they wanted to build a wooden bridge. So the actions that you do also improve the infrastructure of the environment. And so you can get, you can, it's, it becomes more, um, I don't want to say easier because it's not like you do stuff and then like, Oh, it takes the challenge away, but it, it opens up better, routes where you can say, Oh, well maybe now I can handle it with my highway truck and get it done a little faster. Um, so I think that aspect of it is really cool. And then the other part, the reason, part of the reason that I like it so much is it's like super niche, um, realistic to an extent. It's, I don't want to oversell it in its realism. We're not talking like Microsoft flight simulator levels of mud driving simulation, but it's, pretty good it conveys all the stuff that happens when you actually do try to try to try to drive through mud even if it's not quite 100 realistic um and just and the cool thing about the way that that visually it's very good at just saying hey we can't make this look perfect 
but we're going to do our best. So like the mud deformation and snow deformation is extremely good. It's there's moments where the physics do weird things and there's like a triangle of mud sticking up and you're like, wow, that's not how that would look, but it's worth it because it, of how much it goes for it and how much it gets right. Um, but all of this is sort of wrapped up in uh, a game where the whole point is to clear maps of stuff in a sort of Far Cry or Assassin's Creed way, which I find very appealing anyway and very relaxing. That's like my equivalent of Animal Crossing to kind of to, in, a, in a way <laughs> is to, to like methodically clear objectives from a map that are not necessarily how many bells you haul in how many turnips you got in the back of that thing it is funny the money in this game is pretty brutal i i have played for epic doesn't track time played so i can't tell you um but i have played for like probably six or seven hours um and i have four trucks i think and um like 17 percent of a michigan cleared uh, and that's there's three regions that are all pretty similarly sized in terms of number of objectives. So if that tells you anything, uh, <laughs> this game has uh, dozens and dozens of hours of content for sure. Uh, it does have multiplayer, too. I don't I don't know that I would get much out of the multiplayer because what it I assume it does. And from what I've seen, what it does is it's the kind of thing where instead of it being like, Oh, I crashed my truck. I need to go get another truck. It's like, Oh, I crashed my truck. Can you go get another truck? And so I don't think I find that particularly compelling, but I'm sure there's fun stuff you could do with like racing. And like, if you kind of made your own rules. Um, but I, I don't know. I think it's the multiplayer is not necessarily like where it's at. I would be interested to see if there are like raid style things where like you actually need four oh, people like specific contracts God. for multiplayer where you need four people to each take different trucks get a convoy to achieve going. different <laughs> objectives yeah that could be very cool um but i i don't have a ton of drive to play the multiplayer um, but gallerhorn truck yeah. <laughs> um it it's uh it's it's like forty dollars i think so it's not um it's not a not even a, a full priced game and um it's on consoles and epic right now and i don't know i think it's i think it's pretty uh pretty cool it's beautiful too um beyond just the 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 mud and dirt simulations and snow simulations like i have i'm able to crank it thanks to the the 2070 super that i got yeah and it, it ultra cranks it It actually it actually does have occasional performance dips when i'm driving one of my big rigs because they like belch uh uh black cloud of smoke you're saying all the words i love right now (laughs) (laughs) it like belches a cloud of smoke when you hit the accelerator um and (laughs) the smoke is so good at the highest settings uh and like there's so much density to the particle effect and stuff that it actually sometimes i get a slight frame rate drip dip when uh when when I when I'm like hammering the accelerator to get a bunch of smoke to come out, uh, but so when uh, you're cranking it and blazing it, exactly, yeah, yeah, rolling um, coal. <laughs> this game would be uh, that's what they call you, Andre. <laughs> I will also say that um, I think this game would be extreme if you were someone who enjoyed 
um, just getting absolutely blazed. Uh, I wish that I enjoyed that more. <laughs> Unfortunately, I do not. This would be a game that would fucking rip ass while super stoned. Because you do not drive under the influence. In real life, Obama. absolutely not. But in Snow Tire, Snow Runner. So you're saying <laughs> it sounds that would be a good time. I think so you're saying Snow Runner is better than Call of Duty. <laughs> Uh, no, I'm not saying that. Okay. <laughs> you can't say weed and can you say weed and SnowRunner? Uh, there's no chat. There's no text chat as far as I know in SnowRunner. Mm. So even in multi, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I'll check and see if there's uh, there's a lot of visual customization you can do with the trucks, but there's no like stencil editor. So no uh, anime girls on your truck. No, unfortunately not. But they should do that. They should add a weed leaf truck. And and the problem is they're licensed trucks. So I think maybe if they hey, officially the added, cars are licensed. No, I know, I know. But they, that's all community driven. If they added official skins that were like, here's a weed leaf for your Chevy. I don't know how Chevrolet would feel about that. Well, what they need is the little, what is it, Calvin peeing on Ford or whatever. Yes, definitely. Yeah. They need some of those decals. Yeah. Have one of those for mm. every single brand, and which I think that actually—it's funny that 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 yeah, you say that because that gets to part of why I like this game, which is that um, in real life the culture, at least in not in America, I should say, it's this is not a global thing, but in America the culture that surrounds um, heavy trucks and vehicles is mostly kind of not my thing. Uh, it's a lot but of that's like, Siberian truck culture. Uh, Cat's Alley. Maybe. But either way, this game doesn't have any of that. This game is not this game is not like a yeehaw. Like there's no it doesn't. Ha- it has personality, but it's how many not gun racks are on your truck? Zero. Oh, uh, wow. And, and is it even a truck then? And 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 when you when you are like there are NPCs with voiceover that talk occasionally. They're not like modeled NPCs. But sometimes when you like go to a new region or whatever, there'll be a voiceover that talks and it's not, it's very much like, you know, we're glad you you're here. The river overflowed and caused massive amounts of flooding. We need your help to get things back on track. It's not like shitty. Uh, and, and yeah, it sounds so, cool. Uh, like the so, game, so it's because yeah. I like trucks. I think trucks are very cool. Uh, I just don't ever really want to hang out with the people around me who um, put who like trucks because most of them are not people I would like. I I do uh, like trucks, I Pat. I had a pickup Tacoma uh, for many years and then it got totaled, which That's was nice. uh, unfortunate. I love that car. Well, but you I, could relive that fantasy by playing SnowRunner, and if you total your truck, which you can do, uh, you can just hit the recover button and take it back to the to the thing i wish i could have just hit the recover button <laughs> you know who else wishes they could have hit the recover button tatsuya namora <laughs> instead he missed and he hit the remake button uh did you there was something i guess it's from that final fantasy 7 ultimania book that came out in japan there's like all these quotes coming out of there oh i know i haven't even heard of this yeah it came out around i hope they translate right before there have been a lot of like translations coming out i don't know if like they're gonna do a full like official translation though but there's just been like people reading and saying stuff and i my understanding is that the ultimania books are it's a series 
it's possibly. Uh, I have just seen a lot of quotes coming out of this. Yeah. But basically, they're calling this the fifth part of the Final Fantasy VII compilation, which is Final Fantasy VII, Advent Children, Christ, Before Crisis, Crisis Core, and Dirge of Cerberus. So this is the sixth part, I guess. Jeez. Remake is the sixth part. Uh, and yeah, there's... For, for listeners at home, Allison looks thoroughly perplexed. I then honestly, there, I'm so confused. There's some strong David Lynch energy in there from like Nomura... Which is like, uh, what was the quote pad? The quote's like, the quote's like, um, uh, why is it called remake? And and his response was, you'll have to ask me in a few years. Ha 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 ha. Oh man. Laughs does not answer. (laughs) So Austin Walker retweeted it with, with the David Lynch laughs does not answer, but, um, but cross out David Lynch and put Nomura. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so you're uh, a ways into Final Fantasy VII now. The remake, yep. <laughs> yeah, yes, the remake. I am a ways into Final Fantasy VII, the original. Uh, I'm using that. Who needs Wii Fit when you've got an exercise bike and a JRPG? Yeah, yeah, not me. It's uh, a, so yeah. That's, that's well, how I played uh, Persona Five. <laughs> oh yeah, that makes sense. Uh, about one hour at a time. The exercise uh, bike that I got is recumbent. So you sit back in it and it does move around pretty easily because it's only 60 pounds. So mm-hmm. I could, in theory, slide it up to my desk and mm-hmm. I would need a controller because I'll be closer to the ground. But that's pretty that awesome, to, actually. I'm pretty <laughs> pumped like, about honestly, it, really honest. rad. We're both excited about it. My partner and I, I was like, OK, Andre has been talking about playing games with an exercise bike and uh I really want an exercise bike. And then I went looking for them on the internet and wow, is it hard to find exercise bikes right now? Because a lot of other people have had the same idea. Um, so, and so I could only all of the folding ones that were like, Oh, this would just fold up and and go behind the coat rack. Uh, totally Mm -hmm. sold out everywhere. The earliest I could get was like June. And Mm -hmm. I was kind of like, well, I want it now. But we agreed. It's my bike and I went in there. <laughs> exactly. I'm so glad you do that. <laughs> That's weird. I do that all the time and nobody ever knows what I'm talking about. <laughs> apparently. J.G. Wentworth, baby. Apparently nobody else saw J.G. Wentworth ads when they were children. Um, based on Allison and Alex's blank stares, I'm guessing they definitely yep. did not see J.G. No Wentworth clue. ads. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. It, he was like an injury lawyer, and no, it was. It was, uh, was it a lawyer thing, or was it like a payday advance loan? Thing? I don't think it was a loan thing, but I could be wrong. Either way, it was always it was about like injury claims at work, and it would be people uh, like le- leaning out of their windows, going like, "It's my money, and I want it now." Structured settlement payments and annuities. There you go. <laughs> anyway. I say, uh, oh, yeah, Final Fantasy Seven. I say it's my blank all the time to my partner, and I want it now when we're playing games, and she has no context. Mm-hmm. So, oh, so I was gonna say, that. I was like, does she know what you're talking about? No, she doesn't. Okay, Andre is the only <laughs> person better. I've ever met outside of people that I like grew up with that has ever <laughs> understood what that means. Uh, anyway, um, that tangent aside, it's hard to find exercise bikes, but we agreed to get one that like fits in one very specific part of the apartment that currently has pet stuff in it that can be moved more easily. Uh, So we'll see how it goes. Well, Godspeed in that endeavor. But so where are you now in 
in about uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. So I think I'm in chapter, I think it's chapter nine. It might still be chapter eight. I am currently going through um, the highway that's all collapsed that is okay. going through sector six to get to sector seven with, yeah, with so Aerith. You, and these aren't spoilers. Yeah. This is all like pretty you, yeah, basic so stuff. You're heading back to uh, Seventh Heaven and Tifa and Bear Avalanche people with mm-hmm. Aerith guiding yep. you. Yep. All yep. right. Yep. That's that's like two hours into the Final Fantasy VII and the <laughs> first know, game. And I'm like, like 14 Jesus hours into. I've been. I should say I've been doing every side thing. Yeah. I haven't. I I haven't beaten the Shiva fight, but mm. um, but but I've been doing every side thing. So uh, yeah. that Chadley guy. What a weirdo. Chadley is um. There are two characters so far in this game that have had me almost on the floor when I met them. Chadley was one, but really just because of his name. He's a weird kid, but Chadley is like Chadley is the kind of name that I come up with to make fun of like Mm -hmm. bad white people names. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Like I was like Cadence with like a -A K-A-Y. His name is Chadley. He's also guy. a total fucking nerd child too. Oh, so. but, <laughs> but he he's like an intern at uh, Shinra. But he's like, but I'm trying to bring him down from the inside. That's why I need your battle data. Help me out. <laughs> yeah, and Cloud's like, so, okay. Just <laughs> so like, okay, Chadley. And he's like, kill these monsters for me, and I'll give you some materia. Like, what There's the another character okay. that I'm I just like vaguely interested in, like playing this game and meeting Chadley. Oh yeah. There's another character who I won't spoil for people because it was genuinely a a deeply hilarious moment. But there's a character that runs a shop that uh, you encounter in the slums with Aerith. Uh, uh, trying to. Uh, it's a shop that for a while you're like, oh, this is going to be interesting when I get to when I can finally spend this currency I've been collecting. Oh, <laughs> and then you right. Yeah. I was just like, yes. You me? <laughs> uh it's very funny yeah um uh, and uh but yeah i don't know i'm loving that game i think it's really good uh i have some like my my biggest breaks with public opinion are um one everyone's been talking about how cloud's a dick i actually feel the opposite i think cloud's i mean he's kind of an edgelord but like everyone around him is like makes fun I of mean, him and treats the him whole poorly. Time, well, the whole time he's just like, are you going to pay me? Where's my money? And yeah, like, but that's because he's, I mean, he's, a, he's a mercenary. Yeah. It's uh, <laughs> like, and, and, and the whole time early, this is all very early stuff um, that you get a taste of even in the demo. Like Barrett's like, like moralizing about, um, about eco-terrorism, which I'm on his side. So don't get me wrong. I'm not like out here saying that I think that Barrett's wrong, but also, like cloud isn't why does he care if cloud has like a moral connection to what they're doing cloud's a mercenary he should just want to get paid and then they take so long to pay him oh yeah it's uh <laughs> he and he has to do so much extra work i'd be pissed if i was him too uh, he, he gets paid for the extra work but you know there is like the jesse stuff and whatnot uh yeah the cloud is 
he's abrasive. He's abrasive, but, but he's all, I'm he, also like, I get He's it, very man. cold to everyone. Like, he's not like a super friendly guy. Yeah, but the and, only like, person trying, who's friendly to him is like, the only people who are friendly to him are like Tifa and Aerith. I guess Jesse. Biggs, is too. Wedgie, Jesse, they're all. Biggs and Wedge are. Wedgie? Biggs. Uh, did I call him Wedgie? Yeah. Biggs, Wedge, yeah. Jesse. Uh, they're all friendly to him, but he's just like. They're friendly, but they're friendly in the sense that, like, that, are, that you're friendly to like. Like they, they definitely in my, I don't know. I feel like they treat him like a service worker, which is fine. I didn't get that at all. uh, Less. So the, the women in the game are a lot more compassionate uh, and a lot more like friendly, but I don't know. The dudes are fine. They're cool dudes, but they're not like every, (laughs) every girl in this game is just so thirsty for clouds. Yeah. That part of it is, (laughs) is a little like, uh it's not super far off from the original though it's I know, just there's a lot more of that content I'm i sorry, just was i i just need to point out that as you were saying that every girl is so compassionate in this game what was happening in our zoom call was the scene from original final fantasy 7 oh yeah with the yeah. sword and like yeah. it was as you were saying that the sword was going through and i thought that was hysterical <laughs> yeah um <laughs> It is definitely capturing the so like this is not I'm not saying this in as like a piece of praise for the game. Yeah. Um, so don't take it that way. But definitely um, when I was a child and I played Final Fantasy seven, I was an old enough child to be interested in girls. And there was a. Degree of like. And this is, again, not a good thing, but there's a degree of like, who am I going to pick? And uh, it's well, like, the game gonna... also like plays with that. It has like a date, like you know, it gives you all these opportunities. Yeah, yeah to like yeah. to build. Oh, a I had the guy that was like, "Well, yeah. if you want to date Tifa, you got to do this stuff. If you want to date Aerith, you got to do yeah. this stuff. And if uh, you want to date Barrett, you really got to do this stuff." <laughs> yes. Um, and I think it is kind of hilarious how it has the same thing in the remake. And it's a little weird because it doesn't feel like Bioware romance where it's like the characters certainly have agency and all of the characters in this game are are really well portrayed in my opinion. So I'm Mm -hmm. certainly, I'm not saying that they're like objectifying or anything, Um, but it's, it's, it's an interesting, like Jesse goes real hard. And then also there's like, you have a very, it's like three kinds of flirtatious slash romantic relationships that ha- can happen. And it definitely leans very hard on all three of them in not very subtle ways. Like you get the, 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 the Jesse kind of like fling flirtation thing going on. You get the like longing looks at each other that Tifa and cloud do. And then you get the like, Oh, I've met someone new thing that with Aerith and all of the, I say all this to say it would, I kind of just wish that, that the world of final fantasy where it was a world where everyone was just like, it's cool, whatever. We're actually just all in love with each other all the time, even though that's not really compatible. All polygamy. Yeah. It's that's just, not really compatible with my real life feelings on relationships, but it's just so it just, that whole thing is one of the weird things that I'm like not struggling with, but does feel very forward in the game is like 
Eris keeps those... joking about a date, but technically, aren't I kind of in a relationship with Tifa at this point as Cloud? Because like they, the stuff they talk about and the looks they give each other, at uh, least from uh, from Seven or from Remake, like you get the impression that Cloud and Tifa haven't seen each other in a long ass time. Yeah, like five years. But I think there, yeah, and there's also, but yeah, there's that like tension and. Uh, yeah, who knows, man? Uh, it's not. It's, it's not bad. Um, I'm not saying. I well, s- and you don't get any resolution oh, to I'm any sure. of that stuff yeah, because sure. of where, and because everything's gonna like it's gonna go to a new game. I I'm gonna be fascinated to see how they make the change to like the next game, especially because you series. do you do make decisions in dialogue here and there in the same way that you did in the original that are like, Oh, like, you know, Jesse at one point is like, Oh, you need, you should come over tomorrow night. And basically it's not like overly, uh, sexual. It's very much like you should come over and I'll make dinner and we'll watch a movie basically. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't feel like there's too much like subtext to that. Uh, and as cloud, you can say like, no prom. I like that the dialogue options were no promises and not a chance <laughs> <laughs> and no promises uh, is essentially. Yes. Uh, it's, it's all think about it, but um, there was, it, there's a scene. It's when you're going to Jesse's family's house. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can, if you do really well in that scene, it can end with Jesse kissing you like on the cheek. Yes. Yeah. Uh, which is, and then if you don't do like, if you have like less than 80% health or whatever, then it's like a different scene. Which I didn't out. get the kiss on the cheek and I was very disappointed. Well, not so much uh, for lacking the kiss on the cheek more because there's a trophy associated with it. <laughs> well, you can, you can, you can replay it after you finish. You the can game, replay it, but also you can also skip those parts, uh, which is nice because they're kind of my least favorite part of the game, but the motorcycle parts. Yeah. It's, I actually thought it was fine. It was a nice break to the to the it's it's stuff. like a different thing. It's just I don't need to play those ever again. Yeah. But uh in general, like this the combat and stuff I'm finding super engaging, really fun. It's just the right level of challenge. There's a lot of times when I'm just kind of like clearing stuff out and then I'll have a moment where I'm like, oh shit, that was actually kind of a tough fight and die. Um mm-hmm. not that that's happening a lot, but What's yeah. nice about the checkpointing is you can just like start back from the beginning of the fight, which I know yeah. is a pain in some of the later encounters, but at least like for the majority of them, it's pretty good. I've heard it's a pain, I should say. Um, there there was only one time where I felt like the checkpointing was not great, but then I was able to adjust and take care of the fight. No yeah. problem. Um, and so much of it has to do with like, selecting the right loadouts for your characters, which are very dynamic in that um, the material system is still so good that you you're there's times when it's like, well, now I need this character to do this and you completely change the way that they work. Um, yeah. And not just the material, but the weapon system exactly. in general. Yeah. Because yeah. each set of like each weapon kind of slots your uh, party member into a specific like role like oh i'm equipping their magic weapon so they do i'm gonna put all my magic material on them or i'm equipping their like balanced one so they can do a little bit of both and stuff like that yeah so that's really cool you can have like a defensive setup even because there's like provoke skills and stuff so you and what's great in some ways it almost feels like a really good mmo 
where you're you can very quickly and easily swap between the characters. The only thing I wish is and maybe you can and I just haven't done a good enough job of looking into it. I wish you could get the AI to be a little more aggressive because it uses the an ATB system where you kind of like as you fight, you gain action points to use on like abilities and spending on items and stuff like that. So yeah. the only thing you can do, you can attack and dodge and block, but you need ATB pips to do anything else. Um, and sometimes like right now, I'm since I'm just with Aerith. I really like the way that they work together because I she has magic stuff right now. So I loaded her up with magic mm-hmm. and I loaded Cloud up with just like um, combat, non-ability focused, like purple materia. And it's fun because I get Cloud who's like super combat focused. And then I can you can tell your party members to use abilities without actually controlling them directly. Mm-hmm. But I just wish I could tell T- or tell Aerith like, can you please attack faster so that you get more ATB? Because you get the charge as you attack. Yeah. Um, the general combat prowess of your partners is not great. It's fine in a way because they're actually pretty good at avoiding damage. That seems well, to be like the way they're tuned. It, it seems more like the enemies are tuned to attack whoever you're controlling is how maybe, I ended up feeling but, about but it late in the game. There is there is a concept of aggro like you definitely there is there's you like, can definitely, like you mentioned provoke and, and you can also switch to a character and do a bunch of damage and it will pull the enemies to them like you're saying. But then if you yeah. switch to somebody else, they don't just like immediately turn. It's no, like but you, as you do damage with that character, then you pull yeah. them off to you. <laughs> But um, the rate at which your allies do damage eventually just means that everyone's focused on right. you. They just attack so slowly, which is a little yeah. bit frustrating. And I wish that there was a way to tell them like, hey, just I wish I wish I wish I had a little bit of gambit system in it, kind of like or, a little bit yeah, of like or whatever the hey, when I'm not, thing was. And, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. What, whatever you whenever I'm not controlling you, can you please act more aggressive kind of thing? Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. you don't need them to use abilities on their own. Cause again, you can just like hit R2 and it'll pause and then you can mm-hmm. not pause, but go super, 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 super slow-mo. And then you can sw- switch between them and tell them to use their abilities, which works great. But it would be nice if I could just tell them like, Hey, fight defensively, fight aggressively yeah. as just like, um, behavior settings. That's really my only issue with the combat though. And, and it's not that hard to switch to one of them to get them up to like make them attack. And then they have the ATB. I just like playing certain characters more than other ones. So I mm-hmm. wish that I could get them to, to be in a place like I don't particularly enjoy playing as Aerith. I like using her abilities. I just don't like controlling her that much. So mm-hmm. it would be cool if I could say, Hey, you be aggressive and then I'll still trigger your abilities, but it would be nice if you could get your ATB gauge yourself. Um mm-hmm. But yeah. otherwise it's it's great. It's those summon fights are tough. The uh yes. There's one you get for completing like all of Chadley's combat uh challenges, uh which I did not get to because I just didn't level up all the materia. Mm-hmm. Um I might go back to it eventually and do like some hard mode stuff and level up some more materia, but we'll see about that. Yeah. So I don't know who that actually is, but I uh the the, the it's not a huge spoiler to say like you fight you fight summons to get to unlock them through Chadley. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, all I have so far to do is the Shiva one. And it was like, I was like, wow, this is hard, but I'm getting there. I'm getting it. I'm getting it. And then you get her down to like a third of her health and she goes into fucking beast mode 
and just all of her attacks kill you in a hit. I think by the time you're at, I had actually beaten Shiva and the second uh, summon. I think I can. I could beat Shiva. I just only tried it a few times and then I forgot to do it again before I left that area. So when I see him again, I will I will knock it out. Mm -hmm. Um, It is a lot. What's cool is the first time I tried it, I just didn't even know really what it was going to be. So I just Mm -hmm. went in without specifically setting up materia for it. And then. That time was very hard, and then I went in again with fire stuff, and that makes it significantly easier. And that's something that I really like about the combat in general is it's almost like Pokemon in the sense that people enemies have weaknesses, and when you exploit those weaknesses, it's severe. Um, yeah. It's not – it. you can have fights that you're like, holy crap, this is impossible – because you're not using the right skills against them. Um, And that's, that's cool. And I think that that makes for a lot more like involved and dynamic combat than what I've gotten out of a lot of RPG RPGs that I've played recently, um, Mm. which is, is nice. Yeah. I think they really, they did a great job of tuning the material system to this new combat style. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. 100%. What's also funny. And then we can move on is the combat style of Final Fantasy VII Remake, the combat system, is just good Kingdom Hearts. <laughs> it's, it's You've got more control. It's good uh, Kingdom Hearts with, like, with control of your party members, basically. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's, yep. it's, but it's super Kingdom Hearts. Like, you uh, push yeah. the X button to, pull, to, to, to go through a menu system. I mean, it slows down and stuff. Like, it's better, for sure. Much better. But, uh, yeah. but, but it is very clear that Nomura went from a turn-based system to slowly developing a more action-oriented combat system, and it's been one long path through Crisis Core and the Kingdom Hearts games and all that stuff to this game. There, there's a mm-hmm. clear through line of like mechanical development that took place, I think, that this game... What I'm saying is this game wouldn't have happened without Kingdom Hearts. That's what I'm saying. Uh, I, you know what? This game might have happened sooner, according to Final Fantasy Ultimania, if not for Kingdom Hearts. But it wouldn't but, have been uh, as good. Maybe. Who knows? Because it probably uh, would have had combat more like Kingdom Hearts 3. He needed to make Kingdom Hearts would, 3, which has, yeah. I'll even admit, pretty mediocre but combat. The, the and, distance between, like, they came out uh, just over a year apart. Like, I'm not sure what the fuck happened there. It's, you could be right. That, who like, knows? It's an arcade like, process. Yeah. I they, do think... I'm, it's the, the 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 different teams, but it is also we I think we can pretty uh, clearly answer the question of what remake means. It's like this. It's this is like a, a remake will like Hollywood does now where it's a remake and like also kind of acknowledges that the first one exists, too. It's yeah. that part of this mm-hmm. is not as complicated as I think it's it's, uh, yeah, it's I, the vacation uh, from 2015 or whatever. Yeah, I don't remember if I said this on the podcast, but I definitely intended to where it seems kind of like the Star Trek remake, like the 2009 J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, that 100 percent that where it acknowledges the original in some ways. I mean, there's just I won't spoil anything, but there are like moments that Cloud has where you're like. What the f- what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> like, like exactly, and not even we were, related to Aerith. Like we were talking about this before. It's like there are things in this game where to like really talk about it, 
like, do you do you spoil what happens in the original game for for newcomers uh, to talk about like a lot of these scenes and things that you get and information, or do you just go, eh, you'll find out? Or you yeah, know, I think I think you can do both. Like, I think um, I think the conversations yeah, it, that we've had on this show and that you've I've kind of stepped out of most of them, but mm-hmm. I would assume are pretty conscious for that group of people who haven't played the original. But then I also think like we're talking about doing a spoiler cast with uh, Jeff Davis and Chris Edgerton. Um, yeah. And uh, which I'm hoping I'm kind of trying to power through the game to, to be able to do that. And I think for that, we're going to say, hey, everything's on the table oh, from every yeah. piece of Final Fantasy media. So, hey, <laughs> if, you want some, if you want something like that, stick around for about 20 <laughs> yeah. to 30 more minutes. Yeah. So, I, I mean, <laughs> we talked a little bit about it before we started recording. And like my stance on spoilers like that is like just. It takes two yeah. seconds to say, hey, we're going to talk about spoilers. And then, you know, you can but, talk about spoilers. But specifically with this game, like if you want to have like an in-depth conversation about it. I see what like, you're saying. Yeah. You know, how much of that do you go into? And like My for like newcomers if, and it, uh, it, old, old heads. In a manner of speaking, if what you were talking about with the book and stuff, how this is part six or whatever. Right. Yeah. Like, um, it would be kind of like going into Star Wars Episode Nine, having not seen any of the previous ones. Like you do, kind of need that context to fully understand I, I, I the conversation. More, I think it's more like going to see Star Wars Episode One without having seen any of the other ones, in a sense. Mm. So just for um, the context, more than the actual story, right? Because kind of a lot of the stuff that happens in that first in that in Episode One is so based, like it's so had to be something that came out after most people had seen what it, happens to those characters, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, a lot of, it, a lot of it feels like retconning in a way. <laughs> right. And, but retconning in a more, and in, even more than star Wars in a more justifiable way, because it's sure. like being honest with what it's doing. Um, but I think what I would say to people who are new to the series is I wouldn't say go play final fantasy seven. Um, if you have an exercise bike and you want to play a JRPG, it's one of the best ever. So like by all means, I'm not saying that it's not a a great game to play, but what I would say is it makes sense to um, maybe watch like a plot summary of what happens in that game. That sounds like it could be like, Oh, you'll spoil yourself. But I really think that it's prop from what I've played so far and I haven't finished it, but it feels like, like I reread the plot summary of final fantasy seven after the stuff started to get a little weird in remake. Um, which is very early. I should be clear. That's not really a spoiler that it gets weird. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I, I, uh, I, I read the plot summary and was like, yep. Okay. This is the stuff I remember from when I played it all that, those years ago. I would, I'd say watch something if you can, I don't have any good videos on hand because the reading it, I don't think really conveys the weight of how fucking wild that story is. But if you can find like a 40 minute, if you have some time and you can find like a 40 minute summary of what happens in Final Fantasy from a good source, like I think it's worth it to know what's what happened going in. Um, I don't know that I think you need to go and and watch Advent Children and play Crisis Core and Uh, all that shit. Certainly do. Uh, (laughs) It's part of the compilation, Pat. uh, I like Advent Children, but that's a bad movie. So, (laughs) Uh, (laughs) yep. Yeah. I, I think you could probably spare yourself and just uh, just brush up on your your original FF7 uh lore. Uh 
not a lot happens in Advent Children either. It's kind of like a hour and a half long music video. Uh, so <laughs> it's uh, so going back through like even just like the first four ish hours of Final Fantasy seven, which is basically almost the entirety of remake. Uh, probably about five hours of OG seven is the entirety of remake. Um, it's interesting what I don't remember, like and it's all little things like, oh, this guy was here i don't and there's like a lot of stuff that i guess i just don't remember from that game um so i'm interested to see what what else i find going through i'm like oh i just did not register what any of this meant when i was younger and played this i don't think i did either but Mm rereading the plot summary i was like oh that's what that was about um so yeah it turns out final Fantasy 7 was a very complex story more so even than most JRPGs. Mm-hmm. Like, let me tell you about Final Fantasy VIII and time compression. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I feel like seven though is is like almost more. Es- I'm not saying it's better, but it's almost more esoteric. In a um, way. I, I don't know. know. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Final Fantasy VIII is the goat, is the goat, but uh, Final Fantasy seven, it's all right. Yeah, Final Fantasy VI, baby. Do you know I've never actually played Final Fantasy VI? That's like I played like the beginning. It's really good. I really want to though, but Uh, I am exercised by care and probably three more months of quarantine. Yeah, I'm still planning on getting an analog pocket when those come out, and the 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 GBA version of FF6 is supposed to be really good. So I'm planning Mm -hmm. to try to track down a copy of that um, and uh, play that when the analog pocket comes out. Yeah. No, that sounds like a good recommendation for watching and then playing Remake, just because I'm really interested in playing Remake, but I don't know if I need to go necessarily play through the original. Like, I respect what the original was to a lot of people, but uh, since I don't have any real nostalgia for it, it might be kind of a hard game to... and it's also a big investment. The original. That's what it is. Right. Like it, if it was like only 40, it was 40, hours, 40 hours. It's more than 40 hours, right? It's like way more than 40 hours. <laughs> 50 to 80 if you're a completionist. I maybe. think well, if you're, I'll report back. Yeah, I mean, I, okay. I remember it. I played it for probably, I don't know, two or 300 mm-hmm. hours at least. Oh but that's because I was a kid and I yeah. thought, thought it was fun to just right. fly around the map. So, sure. um, but, but it's, I, it's a long game. So I'm still finding there's a lot of what I think is just absolutely dog shit like level design. Um, just like in terms oh, yeah. of being able like readability and like where yes. the fuck am I supposed to go? And oh, that's, that's, the, that's the 90s. <laughs> that's but the I think Final yeah, Fantasy VII is like especially egregious in this ter- in is. this area. Like there are areas that I got stuck on that I remember explicitly being stuck on. Uh, when I was a kid and now coming back, I'm stuck on those same spots going, what the fuck am I supposed to do? And I was, I was actually inflating it in my mind a little bit. It is, if you go to how long to beat, it's like, if you rush through the story, it's like 40 hours and then 50 mm. ish standard and then 85 for hey. if you're a completionist, which, um, you know, that's less of an investment than I was thinking, but it's still a lot of time. And so I, I would say, I don't think you gain anything by going into the remake without any knowledge at all. Um, so like, I think knowing what happened in the original is, makes it more interesting. You could also play it and then go back and look at what happened in the original, but I certainly don't think 
that the intention is for new players to, oh God, my coffee machine is making a lot of noise. Uh, that <laughs> I don't think the intention is for new players to go in totally blind and not know anything and then experience the story through the remake. Right. We'll, yeah. We'll have Chris yeah. Edgerton on when we do our spoiler cast and he is a newcomer to the series. Uh, I don't know how much he knew going in, but yeah, that'll be a good, good conversation. Yeah. I think. So we'll have uh, some people with experience, someone currently experiencing and yes, Yes, and Jeff has a more intimate memory of what happened from like actually watching it. I mean, again, like I said, I just read the thing, but I had I hadn't as I read it, I went, oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that. But the specific Mm -hmm. imagery is I only have like a few memories of 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 real moments uh, in that game. I will say I said last week on the podcast that I didn't have a lot of like emotional attachment to the characters um, which was clearly not true. Um, <laughs> I thought that was the case. And then I got through, I, I don't know that I have a ton of emotional attachment to like cloud and Barrett, but the first time you see Aerith, I like actually almost got choked up. So apparently <laughs> my thought was that I didn't have a lot of emotional attachment to the characters. And then as I'm playing the game, it turns out that I do. So, uh, the, the music kind of like did a little bit for the, of that yeah. for me. Kind of totally. like what Jeff, yeah. Jeff was talking about. Yeah. 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 And I definitely co-signed that entire, uh, conversation now that I've heard more of it in context, mm-hmm. there definitely have been moments where I've been like, like there's a boss fight fairly early. And when the music kicks in for that, I was like, fuck yeah. <laughs> and like had a blast with it. So yeah. Cool. All right. Well, that's Final Fantasy VII, uh, original and remake. And now it's time for the news. The news. This is earlier than we usually get to it. I mean, yeah, yeah because. For obvious reason. Well, well, yeah, it, should be, it should be noted. Andre didn't ask what myself or Allison were playing because we have a lot to talk about. We <laughs> yeah, do. You have both decided. Uh, well, Allison's game is Danganronpa. V3 and Alex has decided that he he will uh, forego talking about any games this week so we can talk more about Danganronpa. Absolutely. Oh, I have one Danganronpa question. Uh, yes. Before we yes. move on. Do, should well, we do that after the news? Let's save it for after news. Yeah. Is that it's okay? It's a super simple one. Okay. It's not even about the story. Okay. Can you play it with Japanese voiceover? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Because uh, having played and seen what little that I have... Um, I don't super want to blast some of the dialogue through my apartment because I'm not sure that everyone <laughs> that would hear it would appreciate it. There is a certain chef character uh, for whom I would recommend not blasting that oh through my the. God. So anyway, yeah. if I can, but if I can blast in, that dialogue in Japanese, that's fine. And there, well, <laughs> yeah. there's also a V3 character where you're just kind of like, where uh, I was playing it and I was she's like, pretty rough. <laughs> Yeah, and, <laughs> and, and it's like and you kind of get the connotations without knowing the language necessarily. So I definitely felt awkward about blasting that very loudly uh, at my parents. House. I will, <laughs> I will admit um, that character in particular, Allison. Well, actually, all the characters are voiced very well in English. But okay. yes, also, um, it's probably if you don't want to bother others with that dialogue, play it in Japanese. Uh, I, I certainly don't have a problem saying to my partner, hey, this game has a lot of fucked up stuff in it. Uh-huh. So if you look over, just know. But if it's yeah. like, 
But the, uh, just but the, the characters yelling pink, it. So that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, anyways, my only living about Duck and with Rafa. someone who speaks both English and Japanese. <laughs> that's <laughs> <laughs> anyways, the news. <laughs> the news. All right. Starting off this week in our news section, we got was it yesterday? Was it Friday? Yes. I believe so. It was. Uh, uh, the Dorito Pope himself announced uh, Jeff Keeley's Summer Fest. In yep, partnership with IM8 Bit and a bunch of uh, game publishers. Yeah, the fact that it's IM8 Bit made me so happy. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so. This is as Papa Keely would tell it. He was sad to know there would be no E3 this year. There'd be no no Gamescom, no summer of announcements like we usually get. Mm-hmm. So he took it upon himself and opened up his sack and said, "Hey, game devs. Hey, game publishers." What do you got? Let's uh, let's let's put it in the sack, and then this summer I'll fly over the houses of all the good little gamers and dump it out. Yep. And for so over that the, means over the course of four months. <laughs> yes, from May to August, uh, finishing on uh, August twenty fourth, which is when like the Gamescom online stuff is going to happen. There's going to be periodic uh, news drops coming uh which is interesting yeah. news drops uh, demos uh yeah like it seems like steam stuff is gonna be part of this right like see, yep seemed like it is that was that part of this thing it's there's so much going on um it's funny because we had talked i think in our chat sam had mentioned that he thinks once ign like announced they were doing their like game what their news thing uh but the event that everyone else should have just gotten out of the way. And then here comes Keely on. Nope. Beep, beep motherfuckers. <laughs> I would much rather watch Keely's thing than IGN's thing, frankly. So, I would much uh, rather watch what much rather watch Keely's thing than modern E3. Yeah. So true. what I, I think the Keely thing, uh, there's not a ton of info. Like the schedule isn't out there. We don't know what it's really going to be like, but it seems like Keely went. All right. Like, with E3 happening, you know, when everyone is going to announce their stuff, like, you know, maybe there's like some leaks or maybe someone announces things before, but generally you've got, okay, you've got a press conference here, press conference here, press conference here. Yep. With E3, suddenly no one knows what's going on. And so Keely's just like, all right, I'm going to help all of you get the optimal press cycle that you can. And so, like, okay, you don't want to announce here because, like, we've got another thing going on and you're not going to want to compete with that because, like, I know when the Xbox is getting unveiled or, you know, whenever Microsoft is doing their big event or whatever Mm because they've already unveiled the Xbox, but whatever. Uh, So with someone kind of managing that, I think it'll actually be, like, pretty positive for, you know, what's happening in terms of production and all that, like, news cycles. Yeah, I think it's yeah. really yeah. interesting because, like, obviously he's done a really good job with the Game Awards. Uh, that's been yes. his kind of main gig for the past four or five more years. Mm-hmm. But um, and Gamescom but, stuff and yeah, E3 and the, Coliseum and yeah. yeah. So, I, like, if I were to trust any, but if I was to put a name to someone I would trust to do this, it would probably be him more more so yeah, than anybody he, else. He can put on a put on a show, can put on a series of events. <laughs> he knows that he knows the right people. The mm-hmm. one thing that I yeah. that I wonder about this is like, and I, I haven't 
pay. I didn't look as I read, I skimmed the story, but I haven't like you're all, you all might be a little more tapped into what it is, but I feel like by dripping this stuff out over the course of a couple of months, I'm not going to get the information from the source. I'm just going to see a polygon or Kotaku headline and go, Oh, cool. Um, there's something to be said for, I think like the fun of watching the press conferences and I'm sure there'll still be events like that peppered through it. Mm -hmm. But, um, that's the one thing about this that like, I think in general, it's a better thing than E3, but I am kind of a little bummed that it's not like, Hey, we're doing a, a, over a four day weekend. We're doing, um, all of this Mm -hmm. stuff at once. I can agree Uh, with that for sure. Yeah, no, I understand. And I feel like as, as a, as somebody that, you know, we all watch a fair number of the E3 um, conferences and presentations. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really fun for us, but I can totally see it being also, um, like, if you're a uh, publisher and you really want to get the news out about your game, and then it's all, like, the, the news cycle is only caring about Keanu Reeves, which, like, mm-hmm. understandable. <laughs> but, uh, like, I can kind of see, I can see that if you're like trying to reach the most people that this might be better, but it might not necessarily be better for, I don't know, the the core group of people who are like watching every single E3 presentation. Yeah, like, it like, seems less entertaining, I guess. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. Yeah. Cause I know some people, I myself haven't done it, but I know some people who have taken days off of work, like explicitly to watch the E3 press conferences. I did that when I was, um, like when I was still in college and I was, I was working 40 hours, but I would like, I had weirder schedules cause I worked in food service, but mm-hmm. during E3, I would definitely like say like, Hey, I would prefer to not work these four days. Uh, mm-hmm. I'll work doubles or whatever the days prior. Mm-hmm. Um, so, uh, I've kind of been there for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so they do say that the summer game fest, uh, will have, Playable limited time demos and trials of select game content on Steam, Xbox, and other unspecified platforms. <laughs> so there will be, uh, you know, playable things you can check out. On the, on the Ouya. I think yeah. that's cool. Oh but I, I think it's great that they do that. But I think given that I grew up in a era where there was just like demos of everything available through some magazine or another... It's like the demos that they put out are always pretty underwhelming to me. Um, mm-hmm. And it's it's maybe that just like goes to show how underwhelming E3 is if you're interested in playing stuff for entertainment purposes. Um, yeah. But like, for example, like I'm pretty excited about Skatebird. And um, mm-hmm. so when uh, they put out the demo of that during the Game Awards, I think it was, um I downloaded it and played it and it seems like that game is going to be really fun when it comes out. But the demo was a pre-release in development demo. Like it was pretty yeah, rough right. in spots and it was not polished and, and it, it was missing features and stuff like that. Yeah. So like and I toyed around with it for five minutes and was like, this is going to be cool when it's done. And then, di- but didn't really get anything out of like, I got just as much out of watching trailers, I guess. Um, yeah, and which is why, no one should go to E3. Yeah, that's why totally. I think it's really interesting that people were like, "Oh, we want the public in E3. We want to yeah. turn it into a public event." Right. When, like, I've been—I haven't been to E3. I've been to GDC and PAX East and played a lot of pre-release games, especially at GDC more so than PAX East. Those are usually pretty polished. But like, I did play some prototypey kind of pre-alpha games at GDC, 
and they tell you like, Hey, if you walk off of the golden path, this is going to crash. And like, as, yeah. as a programmer, like that's kind of what you do for those. Totally. And the, yeah. the, like the normal public, like people who are not in games press or programmers or whatever, they're not really, they're not used to that level of unpolish. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, that will be interesting if they put out any builds that are similar to that. And um, and I would this. expect that too. So it's not, I've never been one who's been like, got to go to E3 to play games. I would like to go to E3 type events to network basically. That's why um, you go to GDC. <laughs> but, but, uh, but, but what I will say is like, to your point, when you go to like PAX, like I'll never forget getting to play the brutal legend demo, for example. Sure. And like, I got to play it right next to Tim Schaefer, who was that's, watching me play. That's amazing. And that that's was also like, terrifying. Holy I, oh shit. yeah, totally. Oh, it was terrifying, but it was amazing. I'd be and like, I'm not good I was at wearing, game right now. <laughs> I was wearing a Coheed and Cambria shirt and he was like, that's a cool shirt. And I was like, yeah, it's my favorite band. And he's like, Oh, what bands? And I said, Coheed and Cambria. And he said, never heard of them. And I was like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, their favorite band is Iron Maiden. So like, that's part of a blah, blah, blah. Cause I was trying to make conversation and he was like, obviously maiden rules. And then he signed a thing for me that said, uh, thanks Pat maiden rules. And <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> and I had that's a very a- good time with the brutal legend demo. Uh, <laughs> um, I love that. Sorry. That's, and, great. That is so, and, that's such a nice story. It is. Yeah. Tim Schafer is a, wonderful human being. Um, uh, but, uh, but, but I guess even removed from, obviously that was like a once in a lifetime thing that was, that was special for other reasons. But even looking back to like a couple years ago when I played the Spider-Man demo at PAX, um, with, uh, you know, obviously very nice people who worked on, um, some part of the game, whether it was PR or whatever, were working the booth. Um, but, uh, it, it was still really cool because it was this hyper polished thing that was designed as marketing material. So I think that like if I could play a, a cyberpunk demo that is super polished vertical slice, I would be into that. I just don't think they're going to get stuff like that. I don't uh, think that's going to be the kind of thing. Yeah. All that, the stuff they're showing yeah. off for cyberpunk is like it's an hour long demo. And that we've cut very precisely yeah, so we um, can show off all this like stuff. And and, and that's not to denigrate like indies whose games I'm excited about. I mean, there's plenty yeah. of indie developers who I'm sure will make games as good or better than stuff like Cyberpunk. So mm-hmm. but those are games that I'm not as concerned about playing a demo for because I just I want to see the finished product because I know yeah. that the demo is going to be sort of um compromised. Yes. Well, I mean, yeah, they yeah. don't have the resources to make like a full exactly. vertical slice of totally, a totally, which is why. It and makes sense. it's also bonus that they don't have to crunch for E3 this year. Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff combined means that I'm not crazy about downloading and playing a demo for a game that's either in early access now or mm-hmm. um something that is going to be, you know, not super i'd rather just like watch a trailer or watch a gameplay demo from a developer sort of talking about it while they play it sure Um, but i think for the general like more general public i think getting hands-on with like a lot of indie stuff which is probably what this will be um because that was kind of what the guess the games uh game awards stuff was on steam yeah that's like you can get that in front of like if that's got like a big marquee spot on the Xbox and store, like or on like the PlayStation yeah, store. It's like, hey, people, that's yeah. summer of games. Try out these things. Also, uh, that could be pretty cool. Something that I find interesting, a perspective I haven't really been seeing much of, is like we're all 
ostensibly adults. I would be re- like, this is kind of happening over summer break for a lot of students. Mm-hmm. I would love to be a student during this kind of thing. Totally. Like, yeah. Like it would be awesome. Like I would love to be 14 and getting this kind of like yes, new content. That's for sure. Like that's, that's awesome. Right. And it's like, Oh, I'm 14. Um, <clears throat> We're all can't stuck inside, can't leave yep. the house. Um, but here's all these games I can try. And that could be really interesting in kind of fostering a love of indie games that people might not necessarily pick up if they don't yeah, have totally. the uh, disposable income or anything. Because, it's, you know, if yeah. you're going to get one game for your birthday, you're probably, like, if you're a kid, you're probably going to want to go for something that has perceived value rather than an indie title but yeah i hope i hope it does end up being a lot of indies like we were talking about with iox a couple weeks ago like Mm -hmm. just getting exposure for studios and games that otherwise wouldn't you know get the limelight ever so being able to surface that kind of stuff awesome so and i hope that all this works in that way i worry that like i worry that if um um, just, like a coworker just, of mine were to have downloaded that skateboard demo, which was pretty rough mm, and played around mm-hmm. with it for a half hour. They would have gone, oh, this game sucks. And then yeah. like, and then yeah. never, it's, never it's a, think about it again. Um, yeah. It's a fine line for sure. Yeah. Um, so totally yeah. fair. Yeah. The other thing that I was just thinking about was, uh, I wonder if, um, since there is definitely a financial barrier to enter- entry for E3, I wonder if this yeah. might be kind of la- like level the playing field a little bit, totally. especially with indies. I hope um, so. Just because like to get your game on a big uh, presentation stage, you probably have to have either you either have to have like the finances to pull that off or you have to have um, a publisher really gunning for you. But this could allow for a, some kind of scrappy indies to get some notice, which I think is exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. Uh, well, okay. I'm going to force us to move on. Cause we talked about that for way longer than I was expecting. <laughs> <laughs> this is interesting is, subject. Uh, so oh, yeah, yeah. we'll um, probably continue to talk about it as it's ongoing too. Yeah. Uh, also as our next news story is a bit of gaming news coming out in May. Uh, I don't know if this is, I don't think this is technically part of the summer game fest, but Xbox series X gameplay coming on May 7th via inside Xbox live from Phil Spencer's house. <laughs> is it actually uh, live from his house? No, I, I, I don't okay. know. The, I hope so. Okay. That'd be fucking awesome. Does, does major Nelson still do stuff? Uh, yeah, yeah, he, he does. does stuff. Okay. He does uh, stuff specifically for inside Xbox. Um, okay. I think. Yeah. I haven't seen is his no. name. Major Nelson. No, it's Larry. I've, Larry. Okay. Yeah. I've never, is that just his gamer tags? Major Nelson. Yes. I don't so. understand. Okay. Yeah. Anyway. Um. Yeah. yeah so cool. Xbox X, Xbox Series X gameplay will debut on the next episode of Inside Xbox on May seventh at eleven a.m. Eastern, eight a.m. Pacific. Yep. It's gonna be uh, interesting what that seem, looks like. Seems like one of the games will be a game we'll be talking about later in this news section. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, uh, and they say the majority will be third-party uh, publishers. Cool. And developers. Not well, surprising. Yeah, that is not surprising. <laughs> <laughs> Although I mean to play Gears Tactics soon. That sounds like it's real good. So yeah, it seems like an XCOM. Mm-hmm. But in some ways, maybe better than XCOM. The next com. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, that'll be something to look forward to in uh, the coming week. Too, so we can That's, finally see. Hey, I, do games look better on the Xbox Series I think X? It's going to be really interesting to see. In part because, um, like, so much of the like resolution conversation, so much of the like pro upgrades to the current generation of consoles was very hard to convey with mm-hmm. trailers because you really need to see it running on 
in first like on the screen that it's playing yeah. on, you know? Um, so it'll be interesting to see how much the series X and the PlayStation five gameplay when it starts to come out will work. Like, cause I, I my computer is a 1080p monitor. I don't have a mm-hmm. 4k monitor. I'm not going to watch this mm-hmm. stuff on a 4k TV. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how, and then even then you've got much better rate and stuff in the way. Exactly. Of- yeah. Yeah. Artifacting and, and latency and yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, I'm, I'm excited. Like, I'm, do you think they do? Okay, here's what it looks like on the Xbox One X, and here's what it looks like on the Series X. I would hope that the jump is big enough that that isn't relevant. Like, I know all these games are going to run on the Series X yeah. or on the One X, but like, if you look at Assassin's Creed Four, well, that was third on, party games probably, but you know, some they haven't will. said third party games. They've been there's been a few third party games yeah, where they've yeah. they've said that. But if you look at like Assassin's Creed Four on the PS3 to the PS4, it's if you put them side by side, it's like <laughs> you don't even need to put them side by side because if you just show someone the PS4 version, they're going to go, "Oh shit, that's so much better yeah. than anything I've seen before." So I'm and hoping that that's what the jump is like here. I, th- I think a lot of the stuff they're promising with this generation is stuff you can't necessarily see. Totally, that's why I like, think it'll be interesting. Yeah, storage and stuff like storage speed and which whatever. is also maybe why it makes sense to show it on an inside Xbox instead of saying we're doing a special presentation this Friday at 8 p.m. kind of thing. You know, well, but it's also. Like they've been kind of dripping out things like here's the box, here's the controller, here's the specs. And so they've been kind of doing everything that doesn't need to be like a video. Yeah, it certainly seems kind of muted. Reveal was it's it's a very different approach, even before things got weird with COVID-19. Yep. Uh, So, yeah, let's look forward to that. We'll have uh, more to say about that next week. Uh, more news we've got serena and venus williams seal and more to participate in a one million dollar mario tennis tennis tournament i Mm. love this because playing mario tennis is nothing like playing real tennis at all which means that and so many of these celebrities playing don't play video games so it actually is a totally level playing field Well, Gigi Hadid is going to be uh, playing doubles in this. And as everyone knows from her Instagram, she's an avid Switch player. But I'm oh, I'm sure that there's going to be this picture. some. This, I mean, Steve Aoki, I think, plays video games to some extent. So, uh, yeah, it'll be uh, interesting. There, yeah, this is going to be a, an interesting thing, I guess. Uh, I guess <laughs> everyone will participants will play from their homes. will partner it up in their matches. Everyone will get uh, get twenty five thousand dollars to donate to a charity of their choice. But the winner receiving an additional one million to donate. So it yeah, kind of leans cool. into that thing that like it's funny that um, aside from from motorsports, there is no way to translate like none of the sports video games actually translate to like the real life sport at all hey we Um, tennis baby that's what they uh, should be doing so like if you play like iRacing with a full sim rig it's it's you know the best driver is going to win the person who can Mm -hmm. drive the cars the best will win um but but with these games it's just totally different and so it's it's funny there's been a lot of this stuff from like baseball players playing the show and football players playing madden and and stuff i think it's fun Mm -hmm. all right our next news story Fortnite is getting a party royale mode so you can put your guns down. Yeah. Seems cool. like someone mm-hmm. found like a data mined a new map and there's going to be it's a 
social some activities kind of where you stuff. don't fight, you don't kill people, you just like you party. I don't know. I think it would be fun if this also allowed you to contribute to your battle pass. Like mm, how? I don't know, but that's a big mm. thing. My friends and I like card games a lot, and um, we've been playing Magic Arena and a lot of Legends of Runeterra, which I didn't check in on, but uh, Legends of Runeterra is very good and out now, and it's we can talk about that in like good. two minutes. Um, mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's right. I didn't even look at the next news story. Um, <laughs> but uh, but but like we don't ever do matches against each other because you don't get anything for it. So like mm. those games are so focused on progression and leveling up your stuff and getting new stuff that playing with friends in like a casual mode where you don't get stuff feels like a waste of time. And it would be cool Mm -hmm. if they, if Epic was like, Hey, time spent in party Royale mode, you just get like X amount of experience points per minute. And sure. People could farm that and exploit it, but who cares? They're still buying your battle pass. So like who gives a shit if they level it up faster? Yeah, I don't care about any of that stuff. <laughs> I think uh-huh. it's I think it's really interesting in like the VR chat kind of way. Like sure. um, you know, it's like getting people to hang out and chat and like share stories. I don't know if you've seen like the VR chat documentaries of like uh people opening up about like personal experiences they've gone through and like that kind of stuff. Uh, Fortnite is such a big platform. I would love to see the kind of, you know, the actual social interactions that come out of it. And I guess I don't care anything about any of that cuz I'll just get on Discord with people. Like so if it's just like a virtual chat room, I don't really give a shit. So I think it's interesting that there's those two spheres, though. And I wonder if there's a way they can combine those things together, because I yeah. might find investment in the social aspect, not for Fortnite specifically, because I don't care about Fortnite's battle pass. But if there's like some incentive for people who are focused on the progression and competitive play to come into that space and communicate, that would be really cool. Um and it uh, might foster some of that like social interaction. Yeah, it would be neat if you could turn that into like, all right, let's make a party in the social area, and then this will be where, where we hang out when we're queuing. Mm-hmm. And like if someone, yes, totally. if someone, someone yeah. dies rather than spectate, we just come back to the party area, and then when everybody's Absolutely. back, we start our queue yeah, again. Yeah. Like that could be neat. But yes, I don't know if that's 100%. actually, I doubt that's what they're going to do with it. It's, it's <laughs> uh, according to their comment, to Polygon, Party Royale is a new experimental and evolving space. Leave your weapons and mats behind. Yep. So, And I think kids will probably super love it. That's <laughs> another thing, though, is like mm-hmm. if it's a space for kids to hang out and be social, that's awesome. Doesn't yeah. matter if I care about the <laughs> social totally. interaction, if it well, means a bunch of kids get to like hang yeah, out with the playground. Friends. None of us care about Roblox, but that thing is enormous. Yeah, Maybe exactly. Maybe monkey bars <laughs> after school. Uh, all right. So, uh, next news story, Legend of Runeterra, the League of Legends card game, exits beta and hits 1.0, releasing on mobile as well. It's good. Their mobile client is better than the the Teamfight Tactics Tactics. mobile client. It's still not as good as, like, Hearthstone's mobile client, Mm -hmm. but it is what it is. Um, It looks really nice. They added a bunch of new cards, right? Yeah, 120 new cards. um, And I need to reiterate on that thing, like they are smart about how they're like they and magic arena have gone two ways in how they are monetizing magic arena feels like it has very fair random pack stuff, mm-hmm. but it's still random Runeterra, I looked last night and um, I think I've spent $25 on that game. Um, it lets you go back and look at your purchases. And I think that's the amount of money I've spent 20 of that was spent on cosmetics. So I've only spent like $5 to get stuff and I've leveled through the progression of one of the regions and I have almost 
a full play set of all the cards for that region. So like if you play it a bunch, you can get everything pretty easily. And for this expansion, the, the cards, um, they added a new region of progression, which the regions are just like battle passes that you don't pay for. There's no like paid track on them. They're like you level up along a path, but you can only level one of them at a time. Um, and uh, they added a new uh, region with Bilgewater for this release. Um, most of the new cards are for Bilgewater. Um, and then they added a few new cards for each other region. And they added like five more levels to the progression of each region and a Bilgewater region. So you can just play a bunch and get all the cards pretty much. Uh, it's really cool. Um, and then you buy specific cards in that game that you want. So if there's like gaps in your collection, you can spend five bucks and like fill it out. Um, so it's smart. Very good. Uh, all right. Next news story. The official release. This is kind of a twofer. Uh, <laughs> official release dates for The Last of Us 2 and Ghosts of Tsushima have been set and moved, uh, respectively. And partially uh, this was announced, it seems, because there was a major Last of Us 2 leak. Uh, yeah. So first, those new dates, uh, Last of Us 2 on June 19th, which is right around when Ghosts of Tsushima was set to come out, right? Somewhere uh, around there? Ish, yeah. In June. And now Ghosts of Tsushima will come out July 17th. Uh, so. Yeah, I think, I don't know if it is actually in response to that leak. It seems like it. It, <laughs> it seems like they were like, we have to put the game out and we've only got so much uh, it was so fast that yeah. like they must be like they must be in production on discs and stuff because like if the game is done like they can just kind of if it's gone gold or whatever at this point i assume they could do that um but um, yeah this is there so the leak there was Someone uh, had access to the game and uploaded a bunch of clips of gameplay or story stuff, mostly story stuff to YouTube and Reddit and spoiled major parts of that game. Yeah. Like significant portions. And there was a lot of like discourse early on and I'm not even going to get into my feelings on it because they would not be popular, but there's a lot of, there was a lot of discourse early on about like, Oh, it's a disgruntled employee mad at naughty dog. And like speculation we we all not necessarily everyone in here because i don't remember what anyone in here was saying but i know i personally along with a lot of major figures needed to kind of pump the brakes a little bit on that because <laughs> it sounds like that's not what happened at all uh my whole thought on this was you you know they're gonna find you yeah <laughs> like it's they're they're gonna find you they're gonna know who did it they're gonna fucking sue you out the ass yeah, yeah. like what do you gain for it like just a momentary like i did that like i don't know yeah like i think they're oh sorry, sorry go please ahead. go for it pat i think there is an argument to be made and i'm kind of imagining a very specific fantasy scenario here and i'm aware of that and i'm not even saying this as like my hard i've never been in this position before so i am not experienced enough to like say this um i've been in bad labor situations before but I saw a lot of like people saying like, how could you do that to your team? And I think if you were a contractor getting shit on for 
years um, of development of this game with bad conditions, poor pay, bad benefits. And it seemed like everyone who was full-time employees, even the people not at the top of the company didn't care about you. I can absolutely see why this would feel like just desserts for the, for the team that, that I can see how you would feel that way. I'm not saying that it's necessarily like the correct response and I'm not necessarily defending it were that to have been what happened. However, I think a lot of the like, how could you do this to your team thing is like, maybe you should keep in mind that the people that are contractors and that work at the like, there's a lot of people and this is myself included at the company I work for who are kind of in the middle of the chain of responsibility and um, and compensation who think mm-hmm. of themselves as the people who are like maybe dealing with like challenging work environments. If that's how you feel. There's people below you that are feeling a lot worse. And I've never really worked somewhere where the people that are at my level are like, I'm going to go out of my way to try to improve your working conditions to the people that are dealing with worse conditions. So I think this whole, like the team, the team, the team thing is great. If I would never screw over the people that are on my team, but like if someone who is dealing with a shitty situation were to screw me over, I would completely understand why. Cause it's not like I'm going into my boss's office and saying, we need to improve these people's conditions. So, and, and there's reasons for that. Like it's all very complicated and nuanced and complex, but I don't think it's fair to level at someone. And again, this doesn't even sound like it's what happened, but I don't think it's fair to say, wow, you ruined the work that years of people's lives went into to someone who's been just getting like treated like crap for years. Um, like, sorry that that's the case. This person and a lot of the people around them have not been, it's not just that they've been working hard. They've been working hard for nothing like compensation wise, just because they're passionate about it. So I don't know. It's a very complicated thing. I'll try to keep this short so we don't talk about forever, but like, yeah, yeah. I, I see where you're coming from, but I have also been a contractor who's worked for technology companies and gaming companies both and who has been screwed. Uh, the thing is, like, yeah, I'd love to talk about some of those experiences, but I'm still under NDA uh, oh, yeah. for for several of those. And I imagine Naughty Dog is a big enough company that the contractor agreements that they sign also pretty heavy NDAs. So oh, yeah, to, yeah, to yeah. Andre's point earlier, they could get hella fucking sued. Like, totally. not mm-hmm. like like because not only is that shitty to the team, like that's not something you can sue someone for, but like that is a breach of contract, which uh, is a signed yeah. agreement. So like. So both on a personal level, like, no, I don't want to screw over the teams I've worked with and, you know, speak out about stuff that was crappy for some of the experiences I've gone through as a, a contracted programmer, et cetera. Uh, like it is actually a legal issue as well. So And wh- there's whoever, no real yeah. like arguments about that. It just is. So yeah. for sure. Yeah. And um, and to one of the follow ups that we have, we didn't really clarify talking here, was that Sony Came out and said that they identified who the leaker was, yeah. and that they're and they've they're not no as, yeah. connection yeah. to yeah. Naughty Dog or not associated Sony, with so. Sony nor Naughty Dog. So, which is largely why my hypotheticals are said without tons of like emotion or behind yeah. them because like I, it's not what happened anyway. Yeah, and I um, see I see where you're coming from with it. I just I, that was the discourse. Yeah. It was, it and I just think the moralizing of how could you do this to your team? It's it came from a place to me of it sounds like you've never been screwed over by a large group of people before. Like in a work, <laughs> how, how could the team you know? do X, Y, Z to you or to them in the first place that would warrant that? Yeah, exactly. Kind of- I think it just sort of removed the, yeah. the, from the hypothetical worker who did this, it removed 
a lot of the consideration of like, maybe the team has been bad to this person. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like self-sacrifice is not, you shouldn't have to self-sacrifice like uh, and for your, for your employer in the way that like, some places ask you to. Is, yeah. Is and a lot of the stuff you're saying, Pat, about how contract workers and whatnot are often treated uh, as like, as if they're not part of the team or whatever has been kind of shown in I, I believed some of Jason Schreier's work about yeah. like crunch in the industry, um, like direct, like talking about specific um, studios and relationships with like agencies that supply contract workers. And I'm not even saying that you should feel this way if you're in this situation and that you should want to leak a game. That's not my point. It's just, yeah. I think we should try to maintain compassion for all of the parts of this the people involved in this because like they leaked a game. They didn't like kill someone, you know, and some of the ways that people were talking (laughs) about the the leaker, Mm -hmm. it was like, Whoa, you need to pump your brakes. Like I'm pretty spoiler back to our conversation earlier about being spoiler. Yeah. And I'm one of those people, but I'm not going to like call for someone's head. I I I don't want this person to go to jail forever. You know, like I think naughty dog put a little bit of gas on that fire too, with the statement. Like they were like, (laughs) Oh, we know that it's been rough with having this spoiler come out in the middle of a pandemic. And it's like, that was a little tone deaf. Naughty dog, naughty dog. Yeah, that's my feeling. I definitely feel for the people on the team. There were some people that I saw in development who I have a lot of respect for talking about how they were like weeping for the team to have their work spoiled. And it's like, on the one hand, I get it. But on the other hand, let's have a little bit of perspective. Right. Like, like, like it's, 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 it's frustrating. It might be frustrating if you're working on a team like that. But at the same time, like, you know, getting spoilers leaked about your game is like not you know, a, a tragedy, especially when we have a lot of, uh, kind of other tragedies. happening. Yeah. Right now. And, and, yeah. and I, and that's kind of been my feeling about a lot of this stuff. A lot of what I see from even people that I have a lot of respect for on Twitter during this whole thing is like, it's, it's very clear that a lot of people's perspective is a little right. warped. And you can definitely uh, feel to, sad if, like, especially if you're totally, on the team yeah, yeah. and you're like, well, I don't know how this is going to affect things. I don't want this to happen. But at the same time, like, you can also feel sad with some measure of perspective. I have been working on a project for the company that I work for since I started there that has been delayed and screwed up and pushed and fucked up countless times. And it's frustrating every time. And that's not even nearly as deep of a creative endeavor as making a video game. So I understand you're totally in the right. Like everyone has a right to feel whatever they feel about events. It's just like, I don't know that like, I don't posting to Twitter that my call, I feel so sorry for this. It's like, can just maybe privately have those conversations Uh, because there's a lot going on right now. Um, And, and it's, it's kind of rough out there. Uh, And also we will obviously not get into anything in the leaks. I was kind of, Get reading into the leaks a little bit because I don't care about spoilers for that game. I'm respect that other people do, but I'm going to listen to all the spoiler casts without playing it. Um, it's it's going to be very interesting to hear the discourse about that game. I, I think I <laughs> have maybe seen a few spoilers, but I don't know how legit they are or anything. I like, watched one of the leaked cutscenes and was like, "Whoa!" <laughs> uh, so, That's all I'll say is "Whoa." Yeah, I'll say now maybe I have to go watch some of those. Uh, I'm certainly not going to purchase that game. 
but uh, I, I wasn't mm, planning on it anyway. So, <laughs> well, I know one game you might plan on purchasing, but oh, not yes. until for like five more years until you finish at least the current one that you never beat. <sighs> I Assassin's haven't even, Creed. I haven't even finished. Speaking Origins. of leaks. See, yeah, well, that's what I meant because yeah. that's the, the current one, one is Odyssey. But, but you haven't even you're not going to touch Odyssey. Maybe yes, you will. I, don't I know. bought it the other day. Okay. It was on sale. Okay. Mm. On Steam. But yeah. Odyssey those, is a good game. Are like, those games know. on Stadia? Yes. Does anyone know? Uh, okay. Odyssey is, I think. Origins, okay, I don't that was so. the that was the test game was Odyssey. Yeah, I think Odyssey was. And the new okay. one is uh leaked by Jason Schreier like five years ago. Yeah. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Seven. I can't believe Jason Schreier would the ruin Viking. their years of work. <laughs> uh, that, that discourse has happened especially around I, fallout 4 yeah, but uh yeah, yeah assassin's creed valhalla it's long rumored viking uh some viking some assassin's someday creed. they'll get to feudal japan <laughs> someday. oh my god yeah what i think is cool though is like they so back when like three i think it was came, mm-hmm. even as far back as the first one because i played the first one when it came out and was like this is the coolest game that anyone has ever made um I've, sure, yeah. I still love that franchise. I, I think I, I don't have quite the same. Um, I don't think the first one is quite as amazing as I thought it was when I first played it. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I um, do like that franchise a lot. But uh, even as far back as the first game, people were like, oh, this means that they can do Egypt and they can do mm-hmm. um feudal Japan and they can do China and they can do the revolutionary war and they could do medieval Europe. And they actually have done a pretty good job of hitting a lot of the places that you were hoping for them to hit. Like feudal Japan is still on the books. They still need to to do that one. But uh, I think they've done a pretty awesome job of like keeping it fresh and moving a lot between yeah. different regions. The thing is, I was talking with Cheska about this because she's a long time Assassin's Creed fan as well, but her and her friends who are deep into it are really bummed about this game because mm. they think it's not like Assassin's Creed anymore, which I, but my response to that was because like, she they kind of see it like, oh, now it's just this kind of RPG that has nothing to do with the original story. And I'm like, Did they... but I was like, but you should, probably should not point your finger at this game and probably point that at like Origins and Odyssey because that's where that change started happening. Yeah. I, I'm just glad. And also they haven't shown any gameplay yet. Yeah, I, I'm just personally glad that we have a AAA franchise that lets you explore parts of history that otherwise would Absolutely. not get games. Oh, yeah. Like, and, and that's like, one of the things I think I like best about it is um, yeah. <clears throat> the, just like the feeling of being able to explore various times and things in history. Yeah, that, gr- yeah. granted, we do have God of War recently, and like Vikings have kind of become... Famously historical game. <laughs> if I, like, if, to be honest, I've Viking had stuff. Viking fatigue. Yeah, like, like, the, like there's been the Vikings... TV shows and like How to Train Your Dragons and all that in the recent like yeah. five to ten years. It, yeah. But I still love that Assassin's Creed is doing this and giving us big games in eras we wouldn't otherwise get games for. Well, and yeah. not to, not to, there's lots of people that feel the way that Chaska does. And I'm, I certainly don't mean to um, dismiss that, that feeling because I think it's totally valid. But in my opinion, they very much hit their apex with what they can do with that sort of assassin y formula with Syndicate. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Syndicate sure. was like the perfect chef I mean, it kiss of a the, game. Yeah, it's brilliant. Wow. And it's the culmination of everything that that series had been doing yeah. to that point. And so to a degree, I was super excited about the switch with Origins to a we're just making The Witcher, but historical now with weird shit also, because I just think that that's a more sustainable 
and other people disagree, of course, but I would play a open world RPG with a new set of zones to explore and loot to get every few years based on a historical, different historical setting. That's like a dream come true to me. Yeah. And the reason, and I can't tell you why I haven't finished origins and odyssey because I love what I have played of, of origins. I played like 10 hours of it and it was super cool. Um, and I just, it's just a big game that I keep not being able to commit to, I guess. Yeah. No, that's, that's the same thing with odyssey for me where I, mm. I really love uh, what I've played of odyssey and I played a decent amount of it. Um, but there's just so much in that game yeah, I, it, like it's almost overwhelming how much it, there is. And and to her to her point, that is different than original Assassin's Creed right. One, is. Two, yeah, yeah. Brotherhood, etc. Syndicate, like all that is. So yeah, I, I totally see both yeah. sides, yeah. and I it think be, everything is valid there. <laughs> yeah, it might be sure. interesting if they tried. Like I don't know, I don't know if they'd want to release multiple kinds of Assassin's Creed games, or, or if they want to have kind of more of a unified um, kind of brand. But it'd be kind of interesting if they're like. Okay, here's our open world Assassin's Creed games, but here's our more kind of uh, directed things like uh, the Tom Clancyification of <laughs> Assassin's I mean, Creed. Like, I, I, because Watch I do dogs, know that there are a lot of Valhalla. people who really love uh, kind of the earlier games in the series, and I think yeah. that's justifiable because I I love uh, Syndicate especially, but also really loved uh, Two back in the day. Uh, but but also, you know. I think it's interesting some of the new stuff that they're doing. So it's just trying to, I don't know, balance those two kind of both valid totally. feelings about Assassin's Creed as a series. Yeah, and I think they kind of tried that before when they yeah. did the the side series of the like side scrolling games, which were actually pretty good. They, they were pretty um, good, yeah. And and but I would definitely be interested to see them sort of try it again for sure. I Ooh. think a lot of this too. Um, I suspect we'll probably get whether it's the feudal Japan game or something set in India or mm. wherever we'll get another one of these big open world games after Valhalla. And then I think they're definitely going to play a card at some point. That's like, we're going back to our roots <laughs> and you're going to get oh, totally. that shift back to I, that style. Yeah, of game. Like to be fair, like I think in one sense, I a hundred percent agree with the, Hey, uh, the old games are not like this, and like or the new games are not like the old games. In that, I don't think Vikings can be particularly stealthy. <laughs> oh, I don't think this is going to be a stealthy yeah. Game at all. But it also, um, I think, narratively, I'm one of the even among Assassin's Creed fans, I'm one of the few people that finds the meta narrative interesting. Like, sure, for example, that Assassin's Creed movie is not good. <laughs> However, I think it's awesome that it's part of the lore and like confirmed as canon mm. with the games and like because like the stuff it adds to the lore is really interesting even though the movie itself is bad um so anyway like because of all that i think they've done a very good job of making it fit with these different pieces of history like no and a, a viking's not going to be super stealthy and based on the character the art of the character he is a big lad um, <laughs> he's also a lady you can play as oh a lady that's great that's good to guy. hear because i would much prefer to play as a lady a um, and it's not a like a brother sister thing it's just your you just, either your character is either this guy or it's this girl that's cool and they're um, basically the same person but that's awesome swapped. uh because i would much rather play as viking lady anyway um but uh and i don't know the 
I haven't played much of Odyssey, but it does not seem like they even needed to include the male option. No offense to the guy who voiced him because he seems very good, but it just seems like I she mean, just it's seems. The, it's the whole it's the whole Shepherd Fem Shep thing where you're like, which is funny is to me because I better. never liked Fem Shep in the Mass Effect games. <laughs> What? But I, as I, the, the further distance I get from Mass Effect, the more I'm like, maybe I just don't like Mass Effect. Uh, <laughs> Jennifer, Shep that's is, another Jennifer Hills. Femshep is better as like a, as a uh, renegade. renegade. Yeah, yeah. And 100%. maybe that's it. I always played those as Paragon <laughs> games. Um, Paragon too, but I was like, I don't know. I, I mean, I, again, I, no disrespect to the performances from the from the people who played these characters because they're great. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. Uh, yeah, uh, but yeah, in Odyssey, uh, Cassandra is the greatest. So she just seems like the, she just like she just she, rolls she, in general. I can't. I haven't started it yet, but when I do play Odyssey, I can't even. I'm not even like interested in like Cassandra is honestly Cassandra is honestly one of the big things that makes me want to go back, get back and re, get back into uh, the game and actually finish it is because she she just rules. So yeah. hearing about some of the story stuff in that game is just wild. Yeah. I'm excited to go through them. I still managed to avoid a lot of the spoilers. I know the one early spoiler, but that's fine. I didn't care about that. wasn't a problem for me. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm excited to get through origins and, and the way that I, I get the motivation to play through them when a new one gets announced. <laughs> and while Odyssey, for some reason, didn't do that for me with origins, when origins was announced, I played like, four of those games that I had skipped. So uh, I think I can, I think I can do it. Uh, well, uh, unfortunately, Pat, I have, I have some good news and some bad news for you uh, that is going to make it difficult to play those Assassin's Creed games. Cause your time is going to be taken up by star Wars battlefront from 2004. That's because <laughs> the they game. gave it a patch. Once they patched in online multiplayer. This yeah. is so poorly timed. I <laughs> like it's cool, but also they just are they're releasing the final patch for Battlefront 2. Um, like the final update, mm. content update, um, the new Battlefront 2. And that's fine because it's about as complete as it can be without going off in like very specific. Like mm-hmm. they were never gonna put Sabine Wren in that game. Should they? Totally. Would they? No. Um so it's fine because it has it's a complete experience now. But if the player base disappears for Battlefront 2, then it loses a lot of its luster. And if the player base disappears to go play the original Battlefront, which <laughs> probably unlikely, but that would like be very funny. But like, come on, <laughs> couldn't you have waited <laughs> to see if people still play Battlefront 2? Because I'd like to be able to play Battlefront 2 in like six months when I get the itch. Uh, and if there's no one playing it, go play star Wars battlefront. I, how many people must be playing that game for them to even bother? Let's doing that. Cause yeah, cause that is a uh, bizarre choice. The fact that it was like, it didn't already have it also is a little weird to me. So like, um, there were in January, Let's see, this was this. See, this this is after the news. Thursday, April thirtieth, Steam charts has fifty five people playing a Star Wars Battlefront on Steam. Wow. Well, um, it doesn't have multiplayer, so that's fair. It now currently has three hundred and fifty seven people playing it. 
All right. Well, those, <laughs> so those it's people a huge can enjoy jump. online yeah. multiplayer. Uh, I mean, th- right. that game was fun. I'm not going to lie. That was a cool game. If they really want to do it right, though, they should add multiplayer to Battlefront 2, the old mm-hmm. Battlefront 2, because that game was fire. All right. Well, speaking of, uh, I don't know. If, uh, I don't it know is, kind, segue it for is that. kind of a fire. Yeah, kind of a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a great, a small not fire. a great situation. Yeah. Uh, Indivisible came out on Switch. Yay. Unbeknownst Yay. to the developers. Oh. Lab Zero. <laughs> yeah, this was uh, weird. Port, yeah, that was port, really weird to see. The porthouse apparently just didn't communicate that My, it was going up on Switch. My understanding is that it was a 505 thing. The thing is, if you looked at 505's website, it wasn't anywhere on there either. So no one one really knows what happened here. Huh. Uh, 505 seems like a bad publisher. (laughs) A lot of their games are kind of rough when like the ports can be kind of rough. I mean, like, yeah, because didn't they handle control also? Yeah. uh, And some of that that game was rough. rough. And Mm -hmm. uh, Bloodstained was really rough. There are no Iron Galaxy. That's for sure. (laughs) Yeah. Um, yeah, apparently, but apparently, yes, and sorry. it was like an old version of the game yeah. that was like missing and not like fully updated with like features, new game plus, that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, yeah apparently it has performance issues, and yeah. it's frustrating because that would be I didn't super enjoy that game, but it would be a great Switch game. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and it's like it's a cool game. It's I, it, I think there's it has an audience for sure that that it's well deserves. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah, weird. It's a weird that situation. Sucks. It seems yeah, like they're publicly Lab Zero is pretty like this is really stupid, isn't it? Not and they're yeah. not like yeah, they're, they're laughing. Well, they're laughing. Yeah, about they're it. just um, being like, hey, uh, this is you know, here's the deal. I saw a <laughs> picture. If you want to buy it, just know one of their we didn't do it. Developers uh, holding up a switch with the game on it and like grinning at the camera and pointing at it. Uh, yeah, like kind of that a, was like a shrug almost. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was where I learned about it was that post. And he's like, hey, apparently our game is out on Switch, today. and they're a cool. I team, didn't so. know. You know, yeah. like there was like, S- and they're surprise. like, a, they're kind of an international team, so they have people all over. And there was one person who's like, I just woke up and this is, I am learning about this now. That's, yeah, it's very funny. So, yeah, it's very yeah. weird. And last of international. Yeah, good one. Uh, Dota 2, the international, has been delayed likely until 2021. Does that mean we get two internationals? Yeah, I don't know. I think this is kind of like the GDC situation. Yeah, <laughs> this I one's think supposed to be in... Wasn't wasn't this, this one supposed to be in, to be in Europe? This was supposed uh, to be in Berlin? Yeah, I think it was Berlin. I can't remember exactly, but yeah. Because last, last year was, was China. Shanghai, right? Yeah. Or was it Beijing? And it was in Shanghai. Mr. Gorbachev. Yeah, Shanghai, uh, and then it was Vancouver. down this ancient... Uh, um, uh, uh, that broke my brain Um, I I uh, think it's good I think that's what they should do it's it's necessary I think Uh, especially if it was in Ich bin ein Shadow Lancer oh my god Uh, (laughs) I gotta look and see where it was supposed to be Um, cause it's somewhat relevant oh no 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 it was gonna be in Stockholm Oh yeah, right. Yeah, yeah you're that right. That sucks. I hope it's in Stockholm I in 2021. About that. Yes, it was. They had that trailer and everything, right? Good yeah, time. yeah. Um, because because Stockholm is a, that would be a cool place for them to have it. Yeah, and there's, there's so many players, a lot from, of Swedish players and teams. Yeah, yeah. 
So I, th- I hope that they still have it there in 2021. Right. I was I was thinking it was in Germany, and Germany has had some uneven responses to the mm. pandemic. So uh, my thinking was like even better to cancel it. But um, I wasted all these great Berlin jokes. <laughs> <laughs> my understanding is that uh, is that they're doing like um, the, the qualifications from this year will carry over basically i think mm-hmm. so it's like like the pokemon world yeah it's a similar Masters. thing to that i think that's what i read but um who knows how they'll actually end up handling it that's uh, that's weird because like dota teams can change yeah. so much in a year and so do the yeah, team like, for sure for sure yeah so the I, idea that qualifications could carry over like it sucks like that's a, you could do it online like you've got to deal with You've got to deal with like latency and stuff, but like, yeah, you can can make it work. You can do it. You could play baseball. Evo is going to be online. You could play baseball in an empty stadium, you know, like, I I don't know. Evo's doing it online. Yeah. I I, I, personally, I would be, I I would be another new story. I I think they would be great if they did a big online tournament and, and had the same casters for fun to me. Maybe it's just because I have so much reverence for the event. I don't think you should call it the international unless you can do it the way that the international is done. Personally, um, it the just purist. doesn't have the weight to me if it's if it's online. There's there's some of, the, some of these players will never get another chance, and you're telling them no, I, you can't I think, do it. I think it's so. I don't even have a problem with doing it online and saying, well, this is the best Dota team of the year. Just the, calling it the international. I don't know. It, it it's it's carries a certain amount of weight and there's there's so much to the event when it comes to playing in person in front of a crowd specifically because that's not normally how it's done most tournaments are like not most but a lot of tournaments are done online mm-hmm. and then there are a lot of in-person tournaments also but they don't have the same kind of like audience yeah. that you get at the international so some most people watch the international it's their one a year like no one watches dream hack every time or whatever mm-hmm. like they're it's not just watching different BTS stuff yeah it's just a different event even if they said like the international from home or something and like called it that and 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 just kind of made it fun that'd be cool but i just don't think you can do it online the way that they really produce it it would just be such a different event um in the same sense that like baseball specifically, like you can do a formula one race, I think without a crowd and it's largely the same experience to watch. But like if they had the world series in empty stadiums, that would just feel different. Right. Feel it would weird. feel weird. Like it wouldn't, it, it wouldn't, you know, you could still have the game, but it would just like the experience would be totally different. You would have an asterisk, I think next to your, next to your performance, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, not that I would take anything away from players, but like, forever whether you like it or not it would be like oh they won but that was the year that they that was the weird one yeah yeah exactly and i and so i i I think canceling it is the better play in my opinion um i can say that league uh is riot is going to still be hosting a worlds for 2020 which is their international equivalent yeah so i also uh, think frankly riot probably has better infrastructure to do it online than Valve does um, probably Turn- because well, I mean they have like tournament servers and stuff, but Valve probably has them too. Yeah, but Riot has like an their own internet. <laughs> like- Valve kind of like I mean not really, but Valve has internet infrastructure. I know. I don't know. Maybe it's the same thing, but it seems to me that Riot is more poised to, if anything, 
doing it online for them would be a good test case for a lot of stuff they're currently working on. Um, I mean, they've they've got tournament servers and stuff that they use, so it's not like super out there. But yeah, I don't yeah. know. People should go watch the the vid- video from the Valorant devs talking about their um, network infrastructure and like latency and all that stuff. It's it's super interesting. All right. Well, that is going to do it for the news section. That that went much longer than I anticipated. Yes. We only talked about two games, two and a half to three games, mm-hmm. and then news, and we're already at two hours. What the fuck is yeah. wrong with us? <laughs> Have fun with uh, your oh, two hours so, of Danganronpa. So this, is the, uh, right, this is the end of the regularly scheduled podcast. Yeah. The one from, thing I will yeah, say... Before uh, Pat leaves and before, you know, people who don't want to get spoiled leave, um, please play Dinkinrumpa. <laughs> so, like, Dragon Grandpa. He, here's the spoiler free version. There's a reason for the past two point two and a half years I've been saying people need to play this game. <laughs> and you might think, like, I, I kind of wondered while I was playing it, oh, you know, am I going to feel like this was overhyped or like, you know, am, am I going to be, is it going to be spoiled by the fact that Alex has been hyping this up for yeah, so long? Totally. No, 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 it is, it, it, it is well worth playing ex- extremely. And uh, I recommend if you like game stories that as, as vague as that is, uh, it just, you should play it. It, it raised my standards is the best way I can put it. Is like the way because my preferred games, I think you guys know by this point, is stuff that just fucking goes for it, like stuff that does not follow a formula, stuff that tries to tries new things. And this, the ending of three specifically, goes for it in a way and with like so much gusto and like it's it's just like nothing I've ever seen before or since, honestly. Yep. <laughs> All right. So before uh, I just want to I want to wrap things up for those who do not want to be spoiled and then we can get more into this conversation. Uh, First, Pat, where can people find you? You can find me at PJC Plays. And I think I'm going to stream something tomorrow morning. I think it might be some snow runner, might be a little bit of Legends of Runeterra. um, But I I think I want to if I can get up early enough, I think I want to stream tomorrow. Because I've right. had the itch for some streaming. And uh, you can review our podcast at podchaser.com slash gaming fix. And we would really appreciate that. It helps us get uh, found uh, and more people listening to us and all that kind of great stuff. There's going to be some reviews going up on the site this week. I've got a few. We've got some guest reviews. It's I still would like to review Flower Collectors. I'm not sure exactly when I'll get to it. And same for SnowRunner. Okay. Yep. I want and to put I, one together for both of those. And that site is? Uh, fix.space. You can find uh, the us on Twitter at FixPodcasts. And um, yeah, that's... Have fun. I think I am going yeah. to... I still have some Steam Bucks. I like 100 Steam Bucks from my birthday. And... Those the Danganronpa complete collection is only like twenty four dollars. So worth that's, that's a good worth. Price. That Knowing is, that I can play like, it, honestly, that that is like an extremely good deal big, considering how much uh, you get from these. 
I would still prefer to play it on a mobile device, but knowing that I could just kind of wheel this recumbent bike over to the desk and put some headphones on and play with a controller, that is enough for me, I think. Uh, mm-hmm. so. if, also, if, like, yeah. there, like, a trial in that game can be, like, three hours. Yes. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. With so that. playing that on mobile would um, be maybe... I'm totally, curious. yeah. That makes sense. Ideal. And I have... There is, like, an intermission there, usually. There were now a couple of times where I was save, playing... But. I was like, oh, I'll just finish this chapter tonight before I go to bed. And it's like, going to... And then it's, like, one thirty, and I'm like, what happened? Yeah. <laughs> and now that Runeterra is out on mobile, it's not like I need something to play on my mm-hmm. iPad because I can just play that before I go to bed or whatever. Not that you yeah. should look at screens while you're laying in bed. You really shouldn't. It's a bad uh, habit. It's a bad habit that I do. A bad yeah. habit that I uh, <laughs> do, do as I say, not as I do say. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you should not use your preparing to sleep times to play an expedition for an hour in for Terra. You should not but probably. I also do, did do that last night. You should probably not play a murder trial in Danganronpa. And but right before bed, because that, that's, that's gonna hype you, hype you the oh. fuck up. <laughs> I I like to read and play fucked up stuff before I go to sleep all the oh, time. Sometimes but. I fall asleep listening to true crime podcasts. So totally, I yeah, know. yeah. I used to fall asleep to horror horror movies all the time. That was my favorite way to go to sleep. Anyway, I will leave you all to your discussion. And I look forward to listening to it once I play the through those games. I look forward to hearing your. We can do another spoiler cast. Oh, yeah. I look hearing, forward to hearing. <laughs> we your don't thoughts. have to because. Uh, because, yeah, and, and now this is one of those games where I'm like, I want to hear what everybody has to say about it. See, at this now point, you know my pain. <laughs> at this point, at this point, I'm not like, I still don't know that I'm going to come away with the same feelings that all of right. you have well, for it. Because you it's, might. A, it's a genre that I typically don't enjoy. I don't like the art style that much. And the little bit of the writing that I've encountered, I don't like. But I also kind of feel like I have to see it now because of all the stuff that everyone, that the three of you, not everyone, says about it. Uh, it's also one of those things that's fascinating to me because I have never heard anyone else say, like, I never hear people talk about this series at all outside of the three of you. However, the three of you love it, who I, whose opinions I respect and appreciate more than 99% of people. And it's like super highly reviewed by users on like every platform. Yeah, I think so, it's one of those yeah. series where people who love Danganronpa really love Danganronpa. Which I just like to experience that stuff even if I don't come away loving it. Um, so, yeah. Alright, let's anyway, do this. With that, I'll leave you all. <laughs> bye, all right. Fun. <laughs> okay, sweet Jesus. Alright, bye Pat. Alright. All right. Uh, right. Abandon hope, all ye who enter here. This is pure uh, spoilers from here on out. So, Allison... And I cannot uh, stress this enough. <laughs> if you want to play this game, go in spoiler-free. Uh, also, you might think, like, there are a couple of times where I was thinking, I'm like, do I know what's going to happen? Like, you start kind of, like, looking at some of the things, and you're kind of like, I kind of wonder about this, but then it completely exceeded everything I was thinking. So, yeah. About. And so here's the thing, though. You need to play Danganronpa 1 and 2 for the full effect. Yeah. Oh, totally. 100%. You're looking at like I'm, 90 hours a game here. I'm yeah. so glad that I played 1 and 2 because. Yeah. And uh, I think you could yeah. get away without playing them, but the whole last chapter will not have the same impact. No. And and then yeah. this, the, the last chapter, you're just like, ah. Uh, so but. I think this game starts like this is a spoiler we didn't even really talk about. But the first thing that happens in that game is you start as a different protagonist than the one you end with. 
Yeah. (laughs) Even before that, if I'm remembering correctly, you start and everyone's just like, I'm a normal kid. But then they're like, oh, wait, we fucked up. Restart. And then everyone gets like transformed. Oh, with the flashlight. Right. Which you don't necessarily realize all the implications until the end. And you're just like. Until much later. Yes. Oh, because I like. It's one of those things where I'm like, hmm, this is going to come back somewhere. But you kind of. You have so many hours of game in between the start and then the end that you kind of like don't think about it for a while. And then it just comes back and hits you and you're like. And it's like. Oh, yeah, this was planned from minute one. <laughs> yeah, like, no, they've been uh, planning this for the whole game. Um, yeah. um, that game is fucked up. And I think <laughs> I think it is the most consistent of the three games. Like, every trial moves the whole story forward in a better way and has, like, implications for the world and, like, the characters there, like, within, like, a little bit better than the previous two, in my opinion. I don't know if mm-hmm. you feel about that, having done them all back to back. Yeah. Um, I I remember feeling kind of similar when I played it two two years ago now or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's like I, there was a lot of times where I'm like, I want to know what's going on with the story, but it's like there's it kind of like drags things out. Whereas I feel like the mystery is a lot more like you're more active in trying to figure stuff out earlier on, it feels like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's because you're the ultimate detective. (laughs) And also, Uh, like, the stuff they open up as you're able to explore, like, I found more interesting mm -hmm. in this game than the others. Like, especially when you get the casino, like, that part was just silly. (laughs) I was just like, what? Yeah. Yeah. It never really comes it's just like a shop kind of spot nothing really important happens there yeah but, uh so yeah we briefly alluded to it so the beginning of this game uh kind of throws away convention mm-hmm. from the get-go and uh you're playing <laughs> at oh Kaede. i can't remember character name Kaede. Kaede, the ultimate p- piano player ultimate yep. musician uh and you go through this whole first chapter playing as Kaede and And I was like, man, Kaede is a fun protagonist. I sure love playing as her. <laughs> it's, it's it's a departure is that like you played as a as boys in the first two games. Yep. And you get halfway through the like, first murder trial. That is fun. I like she's a yeah. fun character and, and, and halfway and through. She lines up with the protagonist of the previous game. Like she's the one yeah. that's trying to kind of get everybody together and be like, hey guys, we can make it through this. Like mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you get halfway through this first murder trial, and then it goes. Hey, you're gonna switch characters now. You're switching so protagonists. It's like, like this the, emo, this emo detective boy. You're him now. And, who, and it's like, who is right? his love? Who is her love interest? <laughs> yeah, they are. They are very uh, tightly intertwined. Yes. Yeah, and and it's very much in the middle of the like trial. So it took me a brief moment to realize. Wait, we're swap. Oh. Oh, like, like, you know, there's like a weird, it doesn't sp- explicitly tell you, like, you are now playing as Shuichi. You're like, it's like, it just kind happens. Of, it just happens. And you're just like, what? And because the way, and the way they reveal kind of why and what happened while you were, spoilers, uh, well. it turns out Kaede <laughs> is the murderer yep. uh, in this first case. Right. Uh, or is or she? she? Bum, bum, bum. We'll get back to that. But it's set up as Kaede is the murderer mm-hmm. and she 
what all these things you're doing uh, in the investigation, like you're like, oh, I'm going to organize all these books. And that's like there's like a secret plan there. And, oh, I'm just going to pick up this uh, shot shot football and like, which is like, okay, it's I'm investigating. I pick up things all the time, whatever. Well, And the cool (laughs) part about that is like I didn't like run into a point where I like sometimes in the investigations, if you don't investigate something that you need to, they'll be like, hmm, I'm sure there's not. I should wait here or I should keep investigating. But like with those in particular, I was just like messing around. So I didn't really necessarily think about it. I was like, oh, I'm waiting. I'm just going to like look at all these objects in here. I'll look at the shot put balls. And then, oh, I just uh, organize these books. That's a little bit weird. But like, like you don't really think about the implications of it because you're just so used to looking at everything in the game that you're just like, Oh, I was actually uh, like weirdly complicit. Like the, the game encourages you to do it with the hidden monokumas and stuff. It's like, Hey, go and explore this world, go interact with stuff, poke around, see what happens. And like, they give you the x-ray vision to make it even more easy. So it's like, yeah, just do all this stuff and then click on everything. Exactly. So get the flavor text, get the, yeah. yeah, but the way they subvert all those expectations in the first trial is really mm-hmm. good. And we don't really need to talk about every trial because we'll be here for five hours. Right. But, but, but I do like, think that it was, they're all uh, pretty good. It was an interesting uh, twist. And it was like, this yeah. is the start of the game. And it gets <laughs> like, more wild from yes. there. And it gets more wild. And, and it's, uh, it, I feel like that's kind of one of the things that's so interesting about uh, Dengarumpa as a series is that they kind of pull out all of the, like, big end series twists and they just throw them in throw out the whole thing yeah like the ending of Dingamaropa 1 where it's like oh actually the whole world's kind of destroyed it's like yeah. that feels like a bigger twist than like the first game in the series and it's like I don't know if they knew if this would be a series or not but it's still <laughs> very big whereas and then this end of uh, Dingamaropa 2 where it's like oh this is actually all a virtual world it's like that's a pretty big twist where do you go from that and then the answer is Danganronpa 3 where you start out the game and then it's switching protagonists and so yeah my my understanding is the creator uh thought the exact same thing as you were just saying Allison well (laughs) like kind of so what the fuck do I do Uh, you want another game I, I ain't got shit I think the ending of this game is very much him going out there and saying like we don't want to run this series to the ground like we yeah. know that we're going to hit our peak, so let's make this very definitively the last game. And like, if we were to make another one, it's either not for a very long time, not for like it has to be a very good reason, or like mm. I, I don't even know. Like, <laughs> well, right? Because I've been so into the like spending so much time with these games over the past couple of weeks. Like, I've played multiple hours every single day, and I I really grew to love this series. But I was thinking about it and I'm like, I'd feel weird hoping for another game in the series because I feel like it very specifically is like, maybe don't? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. So to get into that, the final trial. <laughs> Which was wild kind of to the experience. the final chapter in general. The final chapter, yeah. yeah. Where it's like, it's starting to like seed these doubts, like Kibo starts having these doubts and like, like it's just. Yeah. It, you, Kibo's gone like haywire. Yeah. Uh, He's destroying the entire thing. Yeah, the whole school. Uh, you're investigating, and so one of the the key moments 
there are, there are a few key moments in this investigation. One of them is everyone in this game is an ultimate student, mm-hmm. but you don't know what the f- uh, the first murder victim. You don't know their talent. Mm-hmm. And the entire game, that's kind of kept a mystery and teased at. And Monokuma's was like, oh, man, if only you knew what his talent was, it would have been handy. Yeah. And then you yeah. find his ultimate. Each of the students in the third game has like their own ultimate lab, which is basically like here is where theoretically in the world of Danganronpa, like you uh, would be um, honing your talent. So for like example, for yeah. Kayades, there's like a piano and a bunch of music and stuff. But really, it's mostly so that you can get props to murder people with. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, they specifically were like, oh, well, his lab you can't get into because he was murdered already. Whoops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but eventually, because Kibo, uh, which I, I want to come back to, Kibo is <laughs> the robot. ultimate robot uh, with flashlight eyes and tape deck. And oh, my gosh. I, Kung I, Fu, I love Kibo. Or something. Yeah. Um, so you get into his lab and you find some videos mm-hmm. where... It's it's the guy and he's like he's talking to presumably message for himself, which did not get delivered. And he reveals, hey, uh, this is not your first killing game. You wanted to be here uh, for whatever reason. You won. You Uh, won the last one. Yes, you won the last one. Uh, So, you know, here and you've got, uh, you know, some perks. uh, Do what you have to. Uh, I think don't let this continue or, you know, basically this is not their first rodeo. And also like the, the, it was their specific, last. specifically like you wanted this, like, yeah. which was a very specific thing to want to be a part of a killing game. And but the thing that is weird about this is when he uh, he says this is not your first killing game. Uh, you won the last one. The last game, Danganronpa 2. This character was not in that game. Right. And you start yeah. like kind of wondering. Nor were they in the anime Danganronpa 3. Nope. You start kind of wondering like, is this actually another character that I already know, but was uh, disguised somehow? Like I started. The to- ultimate disguise artist was in <laughs> Danganronpa 2. <laughs> but like I, I started. Yeah. Which is interesting because uh, he was uh, disguising himself as a character from Danganronpa 1. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which, uh, but then, but you start, I, like, I started mentally going like, okay, what character could he kind of look like? And like going through my brain of like all the characters in the previous games. But then it's revealed that the games that, uh, uh, killing games that we've seen in the games and also in the other media, which now I'm kind of like, do I need to go? find and watch the animes now but that they're not the only ones yeah uh because there is a reason Tonganropa v3 is is, v- is what it is <laughs> because this is the 53rd <laughs> Danganronpa killing game where i was just like i thought it was such like a stylistic choice to be like oh v3 like version there three. There have been moments in our conversations yeah. where I've been like, no, wait, not Danganronpa, but Danganronpa V3. V3. <laughs> and, then, and I was like, it's not a stylistic choice. It's like. It... Yes. So you get. That, that like uh, blew my mind more than a lot of things. <laughs> Junko Enoshima, the 53rd. Mm-hmm. Who was uh, Sumugi, who was like. 
for a while I kept talking about how much I liked her with you guys and I yeah. want you guys oh, just yeah. kind oh, of like don't worry oh, I messaged yeah. Alex and was like <laughs> I was like oh she's so adorable she's the ultimate cosplayer which in hindsight is like the it's such a cool uh, um, you know ultimate skill for her to have because uh, as you find out these Danganronpa games including this one are uh, all produced fictionally they're yeah. explicitly yeah. called they're, Danganronpa. They're a game. They're a game. <laughs> they are. Like, they are a TV show. Yeah. They are. A- <laughs> yeah, like it. It basically, like it uses that as a conceit, but it basically directly talks to the player, saying, "Hey, fuck the fourth wall." Like not just saying, "Like oh, we're not saying like okay, we're breaking the fourth wall." Like they demolish the fourth wall they, and like and have- they actively call it out, and then uh, they actively call out that uh, Kibo is like. Uh, which uh, I keep wanting to say spoilers when this is a spoiler yeah, chat. Yeah, fuck it. Go uh, for it. <laughs> where Kiva, they call him like an audience surrogate and they like directly are like, oh, you're the like, but they directly call out the uh, the Danganronpa audience, like both in the game and uh, like both kind of in universe and out of universe. But does that really ma- matter anymore? And I, I don't it- know. Part of me feels that would have worked better if you were playing as Kibo. Yeah. I think it made like, sense with how he was. He always had his inner voice thing going throughout. Like it, yeah. did, it did make mm. sense. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so the reason Kibo goes out uh, wild at the end of the chapter five is because he gets bonked on the head by some falling debris and it knocks off his antenna. Which is also uh, like also kind of a weird subversion too because it's like the little like hair thingy mm-hmm. you know that yep. you see in a lot of anime characters designs including a lot of danganronpa character designs a lot of them yes which you which is like you know you just kind of assume oh that's just a stylistic choice but it's actually an antenna and so it's like further kind of playing with yep. anime tropes yep yeah but i think my absolute favorite part like and the part that i've been wanting to talk about for two years is how they basically say like it it makes you reconsider fiction and like it, yeah. it, make, it makes you look at the characters. Yes. They basically actively say like, okay, so what we're written characters in this game. Like we're fictional. We're just lines on a page, but all the shit that we went through, like all the suffering we went through, all of this like absolutely terrible stuff was done for people's entertainment. Like what the fuck is wrong with you people? We have feelings what like right. why and would you why would you find this entertaining i think one of the i haven't looked too much into the uh um discourse surrounding this game since i just finished it last night but i think that one of the things that i'm i'm assuming people might have issues with with this game is that oh since it's all fictional what does it really matter but it like directly goes into that in the game where it's yeah. like yeah like like yeah, it was fictional. And yeah, all of it was, um, there's a lot of it that was scripted. There's a lot of it where they, like, they um, put storylines in place or they influence characters. But that still matters because it still happened. Like, it doesn't invalidate what what it was, even though um, a lot of people might be like, oh, well, what's the point then if it was all fictional then? You know. Which is funny because, yes, it's it's all fiction. It's a game. It, it is all fictional, but you ha- like you have this desire to like know these people have to actually 
suffer. The implication is these people are actually dying. Like it's not like, Oh, we hide. It's not like a movie and like they fake the deaths and hide the bodies or something. These people are actually dying. And like kind of how we, you know, you were saying you fall asleep to true crime podcasts or, you know, uh, right. True crime in general. And well, I mean, there's a lot of TV discussion about just, the implications of, you know, true crime as a genre, as a thing people are into. Yeah. And when it's, we just consume all this stuff about, you know, this horrible stuff or, you know, just in general and uh, rely on these characters for want these characters to feel pain or whatever for uh, yeah it's release of emotion or, right you know, and, and it's even even if you're as the audience not necessarily into the game or watching people suffer but you want people to you want to witness people overcoming that suffering like mm-hmm. like it, it actively is like that's not much better <laughs> like or, or questions is it better that you're the audience uh that wants hope to survive in the end or you want good things to survive if that if what that entails means that you keep perpetuating the scenarios that got you that in the first place like mm-hmm. like i was thinking about this a lot last night where uh a lot of the things that you know we as a society consider kind of virtuous come out of um like troubling times or come out of uh, like terrible uh, scenarios. Like people talk about like bravery or valor, or they talk about, you know, overcoming things as being very virtuous. But like, if you're perpetuating horrible things to attain those kinds of virtues, is that good? Probably not. Like, why do we have to have suffering in general? Yeah. Yeah, It's really fascinating, but like I love the way that they make it, um, like how it changes everything about the game as well. Like it starts turning off UI elements. Like yeah, it, like it, it changes the way you interact with it. Like it's like, like I was very much I was totally all in at that point when they're like when Shuichi's going crazy and it's just like yeah I'm just not voting and right. it's like the- it's like it's like okay. Yeah, uh, Monica was like, "Yeah, well, you're gonna have to play these games," and you're just like, "Fuck no!" Put down and the controller. Just, I'm not I touching I, like, this. I literally put down the controller, and you're just like, uh, because all of the mini games are necess- aren't necessarily, uh, you know, the best part of Dungarumpa, but yeah, like no. you're still, but still, like I feel like I, I actively liked the. I thought the driving one was probably the. Platonic ideal of what it could be in this one, where yeah, it's, it, they, it didn't feel bad. They were fine. They were long, They're, but they were they were yeah, fine. They were fine. And, but and, but you're like you have to actively fight your own instincts about playing games, where you see like timer go down, and you're just like, it'd be so easy to just pick up and press a button and accelerate. But you have to actively make the choice to just do nothing, which yeah. is kind of. Which was extreme, a, a very interesting experience. I don't think I've had an, an experience like that in a game. Yeah, I think it's the most effective fourth wall break I've ever seen. Yeah, and <laughs> and then there's the moment where it actively is like, do you want to save this game? And you have yep. to say no. Yeah, do you want to remedy yeah. the situation? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the way they eventually 
kind of put like pit you against the audience in a way like the the in-game audience but which is also the Danganronpa audience or just kind of the audience of any media in general is like I owe you know I gave so much to this thing you owe me this mm-hmm. um, that attitude that people have to media in mm-hmm. general and creators and the relationship between like the the people like the actors and things like that uh, is very interesting. Yeah. Right. It's it's very. Oh. Yeah. It, 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 sorry. <laughs> should say all the while that's going on. Sumugi is changing to all these characters that you've been identifying with for two previous games. And there's all these characters <laughs> yeah. that you like adore. And like I that one of the th- I think one of the best things about the game is that is just how our, 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 all of these games are the characters. Just because I feel like at the start of each game, I'm like, hmm, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I'll like these characters as much as I liked the last game, or they seem a little bit stereotypical, but then that's kind of the point. And yeah. that's kind of uh, something that you need to... And, and I just start like identifying with them, and then all the while, Samugi is like transforming into these characters, including... like ones you haven't thought about for a long time, like people from the start of uh, Danganronpa 1 or... Yeah, totally. Yeah, and it's just like... Um, oh my gosh. But it's like directly saying like... Like, hey, like kind of expectations of like, yeah, we supported your game. Now you have to do exactly what we want. Like, is yeah. that... Yeah. That's not great. And so the implication of the end of Danganronpa 3 is that for the past two games or five games, if you played Ultra Despair Girls, is you have just been perpetuating this cycle of mass media murder entertainment. Yeah. Where kids are excited to sign up to be a part of Danganronpa and have their memories erased and either murder or be murdered because society is so depraved it leans so heavily into this is danganronpa we're going to call it danganronpa we're going to have you identify the uh icon of the um developer team danganronpa yep (laughs) (laughs) whose logo has been on all three games or all five games Right. Yeah. It's like we are going it's like it is going to extremely specifically and at one point it like replays the opening uh cutscene or yep. the opening like uh cinematic. video. Yeah. Cinematic, yeah. And it's like and you see Team Tang and Ropa pop up and it's like this is <laughs> it's like this is yep. what it is. It's like it leans so heavily into like it doesn't just break the fourth wall. It just completely demolishes and yeah. mm-hmm. spits on the idea of a fourth wall. Like, but I think my favorite takeaway from it, though, is the fact that like it has a positive message at the end. It's mm-hmm. like Shuichi's whole like d- deep dive, and you think he's just going crazy, but then he comes back by saying like, "Okay, fuck it, we're fictional." So what? I'm going to change the outside world from this fiction. Like, it's going to be like, well. Like, can fiction change the world? Can we like change the way? Can we give this a different ending than people are expecting? And it's mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah, we'll show people that we, as these fake characters, are people you care about, and we're gonna make our own choice, which benefits our lives and hopefully other people's lives too. 
yeah, as much as it is kind of critical, I feel like it's also almost kind of celebratory of the power of, of fiction as well. Very much so. Where it's like <laughs> fiction has like it's it's like fiction has this power and it, it has meaning even if it's not real, it's still um significant. Yeah. So that's like which is extremely cool that uh, it, it just has those kind of two dual messages, which like you were mentioning that uh, last night that people have pretty uh, complicated feelings about Danganronpa three are because they, they kind of um, perceive it as being really harsh with the fans. Uh, but yeah. really, I feel like it's kind of, it kind of, takes kind of a, a median like it, it takes a an approach where it's um both critical and also almost loving in a weird way of totally. uh of the concept of of fiction that can be so uh really engrossing well i think that's kind of the point of having all those characters that sumugi's changing to it's like yeah these are characters you have really cared about and you've seen their stories through like even when it shows Sayaka from like the very first victim mm-hmm. from the very first game and like she's saying this kind of stuff it's like yeah you're right i did feel that 10 years ago like mm-hmm. it's this stuff has permeated and what seemed from the outside as like a kind of murder porn like stupid game where it's just like oh it's making you suffer but then you hope for hope and despair and those words get used over too much and like but yeah. but but no it's a lot more than that and it's they don't leave it up for analysis. They're spelling it out in like, <laughs> like they're really just, like I said, they're going for it. They're not, they're not, they did like, that's the thing about Danganronpa is it very explicitly plays by its own rules. Like, mm-hmm. like a lot, like Monokuma will come out and say like, yeah, I don't break my own rules. Like no one is allowed to break the rules. These rules have been set in stone. Like as silly and weird and bizarre as it gets, these rules are like gospel. And then, right. And then this just completely throws them away, like in a very effective way. <laughs> right. And it, and it very specifically, I feel like, um, is, uh, what else, what else I was even going to say there? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like this game kind of broke me. Um, but, yeah, no, it, it it like even in like the first game, like you're playing to an audience, so there's an element of uh you uh like we we need this to be fair because this is for an audience, but the 3 takes it to like a whole nother level where it's mm. like, it needs to be fair because you're playing the video game and if it wasn't fair, you would be mad. Like as the right. audience, you'd be mad if like if it would just if you didn't play by if if uh, Monokuma didn't play by the rules or anything. Yes, yeah, it's fascinating. And but then sorry, go for it. Monokuma. Well, I was just gonna say Monokuma doesn't play by the rules. <laughs> the mastermind doesn't play by the rules because they totally fuck with you in the first trial, yeah. and which comes back in the second. Yeah, and because yeah. They don't let you know until the, the ultimate end. twist at the beginning ends up being like, no, there's even more to that. Yeah, because Kaede thinks she murdered her, or uh, murdered. It, well, and Monokuma and, cheated. Yeah, totally. It's it's fucked up. And like, 
I gotta say, uh, like I think we've talked a lot about this ending being really good, but the rest of the game is really good too. Like the yeah. trial oh, with, yeah. with with Gonta, like that was one of the saddest <laughs> parts of any game ever. <laughs> I was like overwhelmed by how sad I felt. Like because he's because, so well, good. That's that's the other thing too. Is that like going into these games, you think, oh, I don't know how attached I want to get to these characters right away because they are. Uh, you know, you you know, you know, right? Yeah. You know exactly what kind of game this is going to be. So you think, okay, I don't know if I can um, fully invest, <laughs> invest myself. But the characters are just so well done mm. that you end up kind of, despite everything, getting super invested by mm. um, mm-hmm. midway through. To, so then you, you're just like you actively are like, no, that character. Can't die, and then I. It also, I feel like it, like occasionally it does, but there's so many times in these cases where the reason for their uh, killing is like kind of understandable. Like with with Gonta, you feel like he's trying to do his best. Like you don't, like it might have been misguided, it might have been wrong at because it, it is, but at the same time, you kind of are like. I kind of get where some of these people are coming from at times. It, like the weird one about Gonta is that he and uh, Kokichi like kind of colluded together because they saw the outside. Right? Um, it's been it's been a few years since I played it. I'm just making sure I'm remembering yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then like Gonta basically has empathy for everyone else, like all his friends that he's made all this time, and he's like, if they see what the outside is like they're going to lose all of their like desire to live. So he's going to, he's, right. he's, <laughs> he's going to shoulder all of that burden for their sake. Right. I like, I, like, I want to bur- like, yeah, I want to bear all of this burden and be the only one left so like, that I can protect them. Like that is so sad. <laughs> yeah. It was really it's, well done. God, I love that game. <laughs> it's, it's very good. Uh, so, we talk about going to, we talk about the end, what at the beginning, what are some other highlights uh, for y'all Kaito. in this game? <laughs> the Kaito, Kaito and Maki relationship in general. Oh my God. I love those characters <laughs> so much. Like Maki's character. I feel like in each of these games I have uh, like one character where at the beginning I'm like, I don't know about them, but then I grow to just like them being one of my favorites. Yeah. And that was 100% Maki. Because her her character was so well written and compelling to follow up with that she goes from being just very standoffish, understandably, and not really a part of anything to being like a really core part of the team. For and, a long time, she's standoffish too. For like the first two right. or three trials, <laughs> right, there are a couple of times early on where I was like, "Hey, I'll try to talk to Maki." Sure, especially since I think you said that you liked her, and I'm like. Maybe I'm just not giving her a chance, and then she yeah. won't let you talk to her. So you're like, okay. okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Maki was one of my favorites, along with along with Himiko. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. I think the only oh, like her, I wanted her I wanted Kaito so to make it to the end, but I think his uh, Kaito, sorry, his whole situation. Yeah, yeah Ka- I wanted Kaito to make it to the end. Mm-hmm. I would have preferred him to Kibo. Uh, Kibo's great, but I was just like. Really like Kaito because he's an astronaut, and astronauts are cool. 
And he's and he's very he's very fun and now he's a very kind of um I don't even, I, I'm trying to figure out the words to describe Kaito. He, it, so if anyone's watched Gurren Lagann, he's basically Kamina. Like I don't know if either of you have, but he is like almost a hundred percent Kamina. <laughs> but he's he's very he's very earnest and straightforward in a way that's extremely appealing. Like yeah. he says what he means. He's positive and forthright, and he's just like like well of like just very also overly confident, but not in a kind of annoying way. Although some of the characters are annoyed by it, he, he, but he's like encouraging, in a, right? In a yeah. in a like oh I. Like, I wish I was that positive, Kaito. <laughs> like, I wish I had that level of kind of like. Well, it's, yeah, it, it's it's because of him that Maki breaks out of her shell. Mm-hmm. And he actively reaches out to her. And it's like, it's very moving how especially uh, him, Maki and uh, Shuichi, who you're playing as for the most of the game, like how they their kind of friendship grows throughout. And it's, it's very it, it's very. um Exciting to watch. And the nice thing about that one is like it kind of feels like like we were saying with the first trial and the way they subvert it with like you're kind of naturally exploring the environment. With how you interact with the characters, it feels like the first like ah uh, workout club kind of interactions with them feels kind of natural and almost like a side activity, mm-hmm. even though it is core to the story. Uh, and like the way they grow that into like, oh now we're gonna work out every night together and hang out and do these chats and like grow and like that that all felt really natural too. Oh, God. Yeah, and yeah. then Himiko. <laughs> Himiko, best girl. Just her, Himiko, her, her character arc. Her arc was so good. Yeah. Like, I, don't, I don't know how I felt about her at, at first. She was one of those, but her, her arc of becoming, of still being Himiko, but also becoming more motivated and more... Um, well, it... Himiko's arc, yeah, yeah, Himiko's arc like gives the whole fourth wall breaking ending a lot of its emotional weight because she arguably is one of the ones who went through the most suffering because people basically died for her sake and she like seemed ungrateful like she you know like she was in her shell and like depressed and lazy and all these things and just like people were trying to connect with her and do things with her and you know like encourage her but she didn't hear it until the those people died mhm and didn't realize just how much you know people like tenko meant to her until tenko until they was, died yeah. yeah and like that whole trial she's like dead silent up until when she loses it like it's just really yeah. strong writing and and I think it was just so interesting how she could have easily just like kind of fallen more into like silence in the future, but her 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 choosing to take on uh, no, I am going to take these lessons I've learned to heart and and live, yeah, <laughs> and live and be the kind of person that they would want me to be. Like it's, it's, it's super, it's like so satisfying too. Yeah. That it is. How about you, Andre? Is there any characters that come to mind? Uh, Specifically in in three, I guess like other games too, but three mostly. I mean, I, uh, I have been on record saying Himiko, Maki, Kaito are my favorites. Mm -hmm. Uh, Gonto was good. I'm trying to look at like a big, I liked 
I think I liked everyone. And uh, I didn't like Kokichi because uh, of his stupid face. I liked his Kokichi. face got really weird. I really actually liked uh, Kokichi. I think he was really interesting, I, but I don't know if I'd say I like him, if that makes I, sense. I liked just about everyone. I, I will say, for the most what part. was our uh, anthropologist? Mask. Akio? Ma- mask yeah, person I, was. Uh, mask person wasn't super I, high I on my think list. They might have been one of my least favorite from the whole series. <laughs> Although that, that story, like, that, got, that, tri- that trial was. It was a bit, a bit icky. It was very uh, some some Resident Evil Code Veronica shit going yeah, on. I wasn't a fan of that, but everything else. But for the most part, <laughs> I think the cast of three was probably my favorite ensemble. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I was very happy with the uh, closing, <laughs> more so than I think with any other game. Like any other in the, oh, in the series? I thought you meant any other game ever. Uh, no, <laughs> just, yeah, those final three, I think they really worked for me. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the execution is, I would say it, I don't know if it's my any game ever also, but like it did change how I view game stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's yeah, just like fiction in general, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel it's like I said, at the start of the podcast, like, the, the feeling where you're playing this game and you realize like, oh, this is like, this is going to definitely change how I think about things. And you, you kind of recognize it while you're playing that. And it's kind of special. Yeah. Like, this is why on episode two and three of this podcast, I was like, <laughs> guys, we fucked up. We needed to put this on our game of the year list. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I'm glad we didn't because you would have had to have made the case and yeah. Then yeah. we couldn't have had this journey where we got to experience it and play totally. it and we'll, we'll write this wrong someday. We'll, yeah, so ha- we'll, someday we'll have some sort of like retrospective. Uh, the we were wrong. Res- relitigate 2017. Respect, uh, yes. <laughs> Don't write it off because it is something yeah. special. Yeah. And speaking of things that are special, uh, this podcast it has been special. I have enjoyed my time discussing Dong and Rumpa with the two of I'm you. I'm glad we can finally put this meme to rest. Oh. <laughs> Thank you guys for waiting for me. Thank you for finally playing uh, it. It was so good. And I'm so glad that I, I ended up playing it. I loved it. <laughs> this has been episode 119. Is that what we're Yeah, at? 119. 119 of the Gaming Fix podcast on May 2nd. 2020 i've been your host andre cole aka your partner's favorite final fantasy you can find me <laughs> on twitter at coolslaw c-o-o-l-s-l-4-w allison where can people find you you can find me on twitter at w-r-i-t-e-r-s-e-r-e-n-y-t-y and alex breaking forth walls everywhere hell yeah you can find us on twitter once again at fix podcast and please if you've got if you've got it, find the space in your heart to go to podchaser.com slash gaming fix and leave us a review. We'd really appreciate don't, it. Don't despair. Have hope. And or, you know, be filled with despair and talk about that despair in the review. <laughs> you know, uh, whatever, whatever helps you uh, get through your feelings. Allison, there's one thing I forgot to mention. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, okay. please. Uh, I won't make this long. But when Juco first showed up and I like was like, oh, are you serious? Is this how they're going to end it? Fuck.
I know, me too. I, I definitely had that feeling of like, oh, like, oh, I guess it's Junko again. Okay. That's how I felt at the end of two, but then at three, I was like, well, of course. Yeah. Anyways, sorry, we don't we don't have to go deep into that. Yep. yep. <laughs> no, it's okay. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. We'll be back with uh, another podcast. We'll talk about the Xbox, probably some Assassin's Creed. Uh, uh, who knows what else? <laughs> we'll talk about stuff. There, there'll be <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about stuff next week. Uh, just games. Who knows? I'll, I'll play more Final Fantasy VII. I wonder if I'll fall off after I get past the, uh, the part I'm at. Who knows? Only time will tell. Thanks for joining me. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.